The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Liar. He's not here at all. He's on vacation or something. Either that or he went to sell facial cream. That's what we believe now. Pat Gray has left his incredible national show to go sell facial cream uh, with people who redesign homes, I believe is the way that works. Uh, So we will, uh, he'll be back, I don't know, next week. I I get to fill in a couple days this week, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Give us a call. I have no idea what the phone number is, but whatever it is, you should call it at any time. What? You're pointing to things. I, I can't see what you're pointing to. What are you pointing to? You're just, point, you're just pointing in general. Oh, there it is on the wall. 888-900-3393. That's the number. 888-900-3393. I'm like, you know what? You should know the number by now. You listen to Pat every day. He says it a thousand times a day. And what's going to happen if I say the number, I'm going to say 888-727-BECK because that's the number of the show that I'm on. So it's going to be screwed up. You're just going to have to get used to it. Uh, and that's the way it's going to work. 888-900-3393 if you want to call in today. Um the immigration thing is kind of where we're going to start today because it's worse than we thought, honestly. We're going to go through all the developments that went on with the decision yesterday to go with a, a, a an executive order, which is, of course, at first it seemed like what that's what the, le- the left wanted, and then they've revised what they wanted to make sure that whatever side they're on is the side that Trump isn't on. That's the important principle there. And for people who say that they're not principled, they are. They just always will be on the opposite side of whatever side Trump's on. So when it started out, he's like, well, what if we go to Congress? And they said, well, no, we want want you to just do it yourself. You can just do it yourself. So then he said, okay, I'll I'll just do it myself. And then they said, I can't believe he just did it himself. He did it himself, but he did it wrong. He did it in a way we don't like. There's always going to be some problem. But I will say the problem is much worse than we actually expected. We've heard about these separations between families. Uh, but that's really a minor part of the story now that this news has has broken. Immigrant children locked up at a Virginia center say they were beaten, left naked in cells, and strapped to chairs by guards. Around 30 unaccompanied minors were held at the Shenandoah Valley Juvenile Center uh, and have suffered from uh, an abusive, abusive atmosphere, according to a federal court case. Uh, we're talking about uh, a boy uh, who spent time at a San Antonio center uh, and another New York center. Uh, he was treated after being taken into custody at the border, and then he was transferred to Virginia, and he was uh, hit with this alleged violent behavior. And apparently this is happening all the time. He allegedly found prison-like conditions with cells, no privacy from guards to use the bathroom, one hour of recreation time per day, racist taunts, such as being called a, quote, Mexican monkey, end quote, physical hitting, and harsh punishments. Now, you can read through this and get all the details, really all the horrors that these children have been exposed to, and there's a lot of them. We can go through and read all the the gory details. Uh, What you won't find in here is when this occurred, because it happened during the Obama administration. 2016 is when this occurred. Uh, and the, uh, the facility opened in 2007, but this stuff happened late uh, in the Obama administration. 
And, it, you know, it's funny because this story comes out today from the Daily News with no mention of the timeline of it. It's almost as if they want you to think this just happened, maybe during the Trump administration, per se. Um, and, of course, it didn't. And this is the problem with, with what's going on right now. We are in a, in a very strange cycle, and this happens fairly routinely when it comes to the president of the United States uh, right now. And, you know, look, you've, you've, you've listened to the show. You've been here with the blaze for a long enough time to know that I am far from a defender of the president of the United States. Uh, you know, he's not my guy. I, you know, he's done some good things since he's been in office. He's, he's exceeded my expectations for him. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hardcore defender of Donald Trump. That being said, it's hard to to not recognize what is going on with the media and what you see with the media on a day-to-day basis. It's a little disturbing. There is a kind of a constant thing that goes on. And if you watch enough CNN and MSNBC and other sources, you, you pick it up, which is there, there's never a moment where they think Trump's doing a good job. right? They're never going to say, hey, this went wonderfully well. You've seen only bits and pieces of that here and there. And it goes away very quickly. Like, he'll be praised over something he does with North Korea, but then they'll kind of remember, and we're not really supposed to do that, and an hour later, they found a way to start bashing it. Um, but there's a certain type of coverage the media provides of Trump. And there was a time where I think they believed they could come out with, the, with this incredible story. Uh, you know, uh, some some you know he talked about John McCain and he bashed John McCain and he said uh, you know he prefers uh, p- you know people who aren't captured and like there's a a moment of them saying oh my gosh like I can't believe he said that we need to tell everyone and everyone will agree with us and then we'll never vote for this guy now and we'll be able to solve this unco- uh, this big problem that's on its way and that lasted for a while and after he won the election and there were a couple of inf- incidents. In the early days of the Trump administration, and his base sort of still stuck by him, a sense of frustration kind of just joined the coverage. It was like an extra anchor. And this frustration, it it permeates everything that they do. When you see a panel discussion about Trump, what you see is not necessarily just talking about the news. You hear them frustrated that America's not coming along on their little journey. he's lying again and here's how he's lying and why don't you recognize that he's lying listen to me listen to me i'm telling you and there's a frustration that kind of goes on when it comes to uh the coverage of trump so it's kind of a strange thing but it's almost constant it's basically their expression of their exasperation they can't believe you won't come with them on this journey what are you why won't the american people recognize what we're doing we keep saying it here's the evidence he said this last week he's saying this this week and believe me there's a lot of that and i i I, it frustrates me as someone who you know cares about the country and wants someone who's telling the truth in office I want someone who's going to come out here and say that every day. I do. I want, I, want, I want the media to be able to say, hey, he said this last time, but he's saying this this time. I don't need the exasperation from them, though. I don't. I don't need your opinion added on to it. So that is the normal state of affairs on cable news. However, there is a line. There's a, a red line that the news coverage goes across very often uh, when it comes to a moment where they think this time we've got them. 
This time is different. This time is too important. This time, all we have to do is tell the truth and we're going to win this one. I'll give you a couple of examples of it. Parkland. Uh, Charlottesville. And this border situation. Just to name a few. They are big events. And they're events where they think this time we've got them. This time we can change. This time we need to get rid of, abandon the journalistic niceties. We're no longer going to fake as if we are not advocating against this policy or this president. And it's not a good look. You know, there's everyone. These people are human beings, right? They go in there every day and they think to themselves, here's what I believe about the world. And here's my job. And a lot of times those things are at odds with each other. And it happens on both sides. But I mean, obviously, most of the media is on the left. So they go in there every day. What I am is a liberal. What I am is a leftist. What I am is a progressive. What I do is journalism. And journalism is supposed to be me telling people about facts and putting them in perspective. That's about it. It's not supposed to be my opinion. What I want to do is I want to tell everyone. I want everyone to know exactly what the truth is. I want that to be my job, but it's not my job. So most of the time, what they do is they go in there and you, you taste the marination, right? It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stew that is marinating in some sort of uh, sauce. And then you take a piece of whatever's marinating out and you can still taste the sauce. That's normal coverage. This is, we're just guzzling the sauce. They just don't care. They become advocates against this policy. You see it all the time uh, on these news programs. They'll come out of a video of kids crying, for example. And the kids crying is just followed by, you know, five or six seconds of, well, okay, let's... Let's take a break. With and what is that? That aren't aren't you supposed to tell me where it happened? Like what 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 organization dug it up? You know how did it? How did they get in there? What does it mean? You know I, this is another part of this. If you heard the kids crying video, and I don't know who. The, look, nobody wants kids to be sad. Nobody wants kids to be sad. We like happy kids. Can we all agree on that? Everyone wants them to be happy. However, when you play audio with no video of kids crying, who is that supposed to be effective to? Again, the context matters. Kids cry over everything, though. I don't think it's supposed to be effective to kids, parents who have kids of like the three and four year old kids, because my kids cry over tons of stuff that makes no sense. Hearing kids cry in and of itself is not moving to a parent. Because once you get to the point where you get past uh, the initial, oh my gosh, my first kid, they're crying, and you're, all, you're obsessing over every single thing that happens, eventually you get to the point where, well, you know, like they cried over the fact that, I, that there was a, a piece of basil still on their cheese pizza. If they're crying over that, crying in and of itself isn't exactly the emotional tool I think you think it is. The point here, though, is it's not about that. It's about the underlying cause. 
And the underlying cause is something that most people agree is not positive. We really would rather not have kids separated from their parents. However, there are two things here. There's two parts of it. If you don't like the policy, then you have to do two things. The number two thing that you do is you fight against the policy. You go against it hard. You go on MSNBC. You go on CNN. You vote. You say, I don't believe this policy is the right thing to do. And maybe you even say it loudly. However, the number one thing to do in this situation is don't cross the border. And while I understand that you might be leaving a bad situation and your situation uh, as you cross the border, you're hoping for something better from a land that has promised that to so many others. But it's promised it in a very orderly way. It's promised it in a, there is a process to do it. You can claim asylum in the U.S. Embassy in your home country. You can go to a designated port of entry. If you do either one of those two things, you will not be separated from your child. You will be separated from your child if you go across the border and then break the law. And then, as a result of those two very closely connected things, get caught. Then you're going to be separated from your kids under that policy, which is now pretty much gone uh you can do this in a way that avoids the negative consequences you're talking about but let's get into what this actually means and what the real argument is about because i know everybody's having fights about this on facebook everybody's having fights about this on on twitter the polling on it that we have as well it's not good uh if you want tighter border controls uh this has created a culture war that is going to be associated with general border security and that's not a positive thing uh, but, you know, you know that. You listen to Pat Gray Unleashed every day. And uh, you may understand that Pat, pretty big on border security. I would say it's the number one issue for Pat Gray since I've known him. Probably the most important thing he's talked about on a regular basis is border security. He's been a border hawk since the beginning. He's criticized Republicans and Democrats over this. And now he's on, he's on some cruise to, to what seems like, I mean, basically part of Russia. You can see Russia from where he's going. Okay? That's communism. Okay, folks? Pat Gray is churned from a border hawk to a communist right in front of your eyes on this program, and I hope you're recognizing it. All right. Sponsor this half hour is the Founders Revolution. Turn on the news. It's easy to get sucked into defending your side and forget the founding principles, which were supposed to be protecting first. Wow, is that true? Uh, even if uh, you don't necessarily win the argument, uh, the point is the principle. And if, if, if the principle is the thing that you care about most, you need to make sure you stick to it. Uh, there's a great book out by Muckle S. Law called The Founder's Revolution. Uh, it is, it's, a, it's a fantastic thing, and it, and it talks about the things we've been talking about for a very long time. Founder's Revolution, you will rediscover the forgotten history of how the Declaration of Independence came into being and the principles that form its foundation. Everything in the book is from the original source documents, especially the words of the Founding Fathers, and that is incredibly important. You're going to be surprised how many fake Founding Fathers quotes you're going to find on Pinterest. It's not a good source for founding principles. Gain insight into every charge the founders made in the Declaration, what they intended America to become, and what their vision was as it relates to the proper role of government. You're going to be shocked with the examples of how this actually permeates into your daily life today. Go to your computer right now. Type in www.thefoundersrevolutionbook.com. You can get your store or you can get your copy at Amazon. The book has five stars. It's a great read. Thefoundersrevolutionbook.com. Thefoundersrevolutionbook.com. You're listening to Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network.
So the polling is in. Uh, by the way, it's uh, stewing for Pat Gray. The polling uh, on this uh, separation issue is in, and it's it's not pretty. Is uh, the separation unacceptable? Democrats say it's unacceptable, ninety to five. However, that's exactly what, of course, you'd believe, right? Independents say uh, it's unacceptable, sixty-six to sixteen. So that's a pretty, it's a pretty bad number. Republicans even say it's unacceptable, thirty-nine to thirty-six. So there's been some polling that's shown a little bit, a little bit more favorable uh, on this issue from Republicans, but it's turned a little bit more negative recently. Overall, sixty-seven seventeen against the separation. If you're wondering, um, you know why Trump, you know, flip-flopped on this one. I mean, there's your answer, sixty-seven to seventeen. By the way. I throw this out here because this is fun, right? We're all we're all friends here on Pat Gray Unleashed. There is another alternative universe that exists, another alternative universe out there where calls are flooding in from talk show host callers complaining about their Republican president bailing on the border security initiative they started. There's a universe where that's occur- occurring. Some host somewhere is taking calls in some parallel dimension in which every Republican talk show host caller is really annoyed that their guy, once again, when it came down to a controversy on the border, just turned away and did an executive order, which basically leads to catch and release being reinstated. That is something that is occurring, not here, but in another universe. And if you find out where it is, I'd be interested to listen to a show on that that network. Because... When George Bush did it, when the Republicans in in the Senate have done it, when the Republicans in the House have done it, when there is a something, when you have these border controversies and the Republican bails on whatever they were trying to do, wow, did we used to hear about it all the time. I don't think we got one call about it today. I'd be interested to hear if anyone in Pat Gray's audience uh, thinks that way a little bit. Because while we all don't want uh, children to be the unnecessary victims of these acts, the principle... That was the, the reason they started this in the first place with Jeff Sessions still stands. Deterring these actions, deterring people from bringing children across the border, deterring people uh, from coming to the border at all is still a consistent principle with border security. Instituting what winds up being catch and release except after 20 days, which is what this uh, executive order does. That's not consistent at all. And we used to have this point where we would these these spineless politicians in Washington would get heat from this from uh, from uh, from talk radio audiences. I don't know if that world still exists. I don't know there's a market for that anymore. But I'd like to hear if you believe it. Uh, overall, should they change the policy? Uh, the polling says yes, eighty to fourteen. And that's why if you're going on Facebook and you're trying to make a point about the border and saying, "Hey, look, we all want ki- kids to be happy," but that does not mean that we don't have laws. If you're trying to make that point and you're getting lit up by everybody on Facebook, it's because the feels are here. Everyone's got the feels over this issue. It's all about emotion. It's all about feelings. And this is why they're trying to exploit it. It's why they've crossed that line, the sort of red line with media coverage I was talking about earlier. It's why uh, the passion is so high on this. But you have to take a step back. It has nothing to do with separating children from parents. This issue is not about separating children from parents. And I can prove it to you. There is a range of crimes. Let's all think about a range of crimes for a moment. Let's say at the very top, you've got 
mass murdering, serial killer, pedophile, uh, tax cheat. That person. And on the other side, you've got jaywalker. Okay? There's a range of crimes that exist in our society. Everyone agrees with parental separation when it comes to the mass murdering, genocidal, serial killer, pedophile, tax cheat. Everybody thinks that person should not be housed with their toddlers, right? Every single person. Democrats and Republicans agree parental separation important in that case. On the other side, jaywalking. No one agrees that it's a good idea to separate parents from children in a jaywalking case. Nobody believes that. The difference here is, I mean, unless you're really hardcore against jaywalking, there are some, there are some people who are, or I'm sure, falling into that category. But the point is, in the middle of that range of crimes sits illegal immigration. And what we're saying here is people who are tough on the border are saying that, yes, it falls past that line. It's a serious of enough of an offense that we need to make sure we're detaining the parent, which automatically leads to separation, unless you want to start detaining kids, which now apparently they wanted until Trump promised it to them for 20 days, and now they don't want it. On the other side, the left says, you know what? We don't think it's a crime really at all, do we? They don't care about borders at all. So, of course, they don't want, they don't want anything negative to happen to an illegal immigrant for being an illegal immigrant. They don't even want you to call them an illegal immigrant. They don't even want you to call them an illegal alien. They don't want you to call you an undocumented alien. They want you to call them the, the nice people who cross the border to, to hug us is basically what they want you to call. So there is a huge issue here. It is not about child separation. It is about what you think is a crime, what you think is a serious enough crime to cross that barrier of detaining the parent. What happens when you don't detain the parent? We know the answer to that. Government has released uh, from the DOJ. Have they released the numbers on this? The old way of doing business. Parent and child come in. They they are processed. And they say, you know what? We'll see you in three months at the hearing. And then they were released to do whatever they would like inside our borders. Because we didn't want to separate parent from child. In that circumstance, what has happened? We know what's happened. 40% of people we never hear of again. We never hear from them again. They don't call. They don't send us Christmas cards. They don't show up at bar mitzvahs. They don't do anything. We never hear from them again. They just they go into the country, and unless we happen to capture them at some future crime, they're basically one of that 11, 15, 20 million people that you hear about repeated over and over again. That's not an acceptable outcome. So... When you hear people on, on, uh, on cable news saying, hey, guys, he could just use his pen and go back to the old policy. Well, yes, he can go back to the old policy. Now, the old policy was not enforcing the law, basically. It was a promise, hey, well, we'll try to enforce the law in a few months if you show up, and 40% of people weren't showing up. You know, yeah, he can go back to Obama's policy, but I don't know if you noticed, they didn't want Obama's policy. That's why Trump's president and not Hillary. They didn't want that. They didn't want Obama's policy to continue. Now, they don't want this policy either. They've been pretty clear, as, you, as I just told you in the polls. The point, though, is that they're trying. The, securing the border is, is a popular concept. Whenever you ask people, 
about the mean consequences, like people don't get to, you know, all the wonderful benefits of this country that they want, people get nervous and they start changing their policy. They start backing off. They start creating executive orders to change the thing that they were just doing. I mean, I don't know what that is. It's not it's not, not the spine that I want out of my politicians, but it's something to address. We'll get into it a little bit more. Uh, the number is 888-900-3393. And I haven't screwed it up yet. 800 or 888. Now I did. 888-900-3393. Pat Gray Unleashed. It's still. Pat Gray. The Blaze Radio Network. Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. It's Stu filling in for Pat Gray. Welcome to the program. Um, coming up, and here is something you're really going to enjoy, I believe. You know, I can't do a show in this time period without spoons. It just can't happen. So if you remember the Pat and Stu show, we did spoons. We tried new fantastic products from the world of capitalism. So we're going to try some coming up today. I'm very excited about the return of spoons today. And, you know, look, it's happening. So uh, get excited about it. Uh, America's demanded it. And it's, at least when I'm filling in, I'm at least going to take the opportunity to eat a lot. So I don't know what else I'm getting out of this, but I'm going to get food. That's happening. Uh, let's uh, go to um, Brooke Baldwin. Now, Brooke Baldwin's interesting because Brooke Baldwin is a host uh, on CNN. But also, I would basically argue she's a scientist. Now, she doesn't have the scientific credentials, but let me give you an argument here. She went to space camp. Okay? I know this because she just did about a 12-minute segment about her trip to space camp when she was a kid. And when she was at space camp, she apparently loved it, and it got her excited, and apparently women can use math, too. Who knew? Not me. As far as I know, women and math, I mean, it's just, it's oil and water. But then Brooke Baldwin won me over with the space camp argument because it was all about how what we need to do is think about, sure, you can put people in space and there's all these scientific things. There's lots of calculations that go into it. But what are their genitals like? It's kind of the point of it. What are the, I want to make sure we get an equal amount of each genital type uh, when we go to space. It's very important because that's the important thing when it comes to going to space. And look, it was like it was a feel good piece about uh, you know, she went to space camp when she was a kid, and now girl, uh, girls are going to space camp, encouraging girls to get involved in these types of things. We need more female astronauts, apparently. Great. I, I was, it was an interesting moment where she said she was like a space camp fanboy or something, fangirl, uh, which uh, she, and she said she was, a, she was a NASA fangirl, I think. It's like, well, wouldn't, isn't it possible that you're going to have a story that comes up about NASA that you're going to have to have a like sensible journalistic opinion on do you sure you want to admit that you're a fangirl for nasa i guess nasa is not that controversial for most people um but so she's basically a scientist and let me give you more evidence that she is there's a scientific measure i call it the brooke baldwin scale and the pause of brooke baldwin coming out of an audio clip tells you how emotional you're supposed to feel about it so when Brooke Baldwin comes out and there's, there's a clip of children crying and it's like, you know, you know, children crying and then she just comes out, comes back onto her and she goes, 
Okay. Um, well, and then she asked her question to the guest. There's whatever that, the longer the pause, the more upset you're supposed to be about it. Okay? And that's how you know that we've crossed that line I was talking about last half hour. When, when journalists decide to just become advocates, there's a certain, and I don't have the exact scale, I think it's about four to five seconds. If she gets through five seconds of pause, you are supposed to be infuriated. Write your congressman. So this is what makes, part of what makes this, uh, this clip so surprising as Brooke Baldwin has kind of taken on that advocate, advocate role uh, for, for these kids on the border, she actually decided to ask a question of a Democratic senator, Tammy Baldwin, about these detention camps and listen to the absolute non-answer she gets from Tammy. And now this national outrage, obviously, over the, the separation in these young people. You know, we've seen the photo of that crying little girl. We're talking to, to John Moore, who snapped that photo um, coming up in a little bit. You know, these thermal blankets here, the, the, the chain link yeah. fences that look like cages. What I want to hear from you, John, since you were in uh, the Brownsville facility, what are we not seeing? Well, first of all, those chain link those chain link fences were there in 2014 under the Obama administration. And when the kids came across, they were all the families were put in there as well. The same deal, bologna sandwiches, these space blankets. So that's been going on for a while Oops. and it's unpleasant. Um, Obviously, this is the other clip. Uh, this is the uh, that that is a clip of him talking to or Tim um, Brooke Baldwin talking to uh, an NPR reporter about this uh, incident in 2014. Um, you know, you're looking for all these kids are crying on the border. We're going to be talk to, talking to uh, the, the person who snapped those photos in just a little while. But listen, she's totally reaching. And this is, this is consistent with the way Brooke Baldwin has handled these things, right? She has consistently gone and said, hey, uh, we need to have a, a situation here where, uh, you know, there is a, a someone held, held responsible, darn it. And then she gets on and she has the long pause and then she asks a question and she looks sad. And that's what's supposed to happen in these interviews. And she went to this NPR guy, which I, this is why I like this clip. She's reaching for the moment where he says, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, you know, there's absolutely terrible things going on with these I mean, kids are cra- trapped in cages. And then you hear at the end, the NPR reporter who was there in 2014, to his credit, one of the few that actually covered it, said, yeah, I know, actually the blankets and, and, the, and the fences were the same under Obama. Interestingly enough, uh, Brooke Baldwin, you heard her tease the interview with the person who took the, the picture of the sad and crying child. That's coming up. We're going to do an, so you're going to do an interview with a photographer who took a picture of a kid crying. Now look, there's a larger story to be told there, but taking a picture of a kid crying doesn't necessarily mean anything. There's, I have a hundred, you want pictures of a kid crying uh, when we're leaving Chuck E. Cheese, I'll get tons of them for you. Okay. That's, that's not, a, that's not a challenge. Uh, then they asked this reporter, and the same thing happened to her in that interview, because he was like, "Yeah, this this picture is really devastating. I've been taking pictures for years and years of these kids at the border, uh, uh, even under Obama when this was going on, which is kind of funny. In that she kind of went for this moment and missed it both times. I also went for a moment here, and I played the wrong clip. So let's go to the other one: Baldwin talking to the Democratic senator about why uh, Tammy Tammy Baldwin maybe wasn't so outspoken back in 2014. As so many people in this country are certainly outraged by the cages and the thermal blankets mm, and right. the facilities housing these kids, mm-hmm. you know, they were all there in 2014 Uh-oh. under President Obama. Oh, and no. my question to you, Senator Baldwin, is did you speak up against them then? Uh-oh. Oh, you no. know, uh, on, uh, the, on this um, issue that I, we... Well, 
get into a See, moment uh, where we're making progress, mm -hmm. and then when it uh, uh, when it stalls, right. uh, we turn around. I think we all need to continue to be focused on it and press it hmm. through. The American people <laughs> need confidence that we can solve problems. Nobody believes that we have uh, an immigration system that works. Uh, it is right. broken, it needs fixing, uh -huh. but we've just got to resolve to do that. But were you worried about it then? Did you Thank raise you. your voice under the Obama administration? You know, in numbers uh -oh. of cases, numbers. usually uh, I remember a constituent who was mm -hmm. in detention at the border, right. uh, arguably uh, very inappropriately, uh -huh. um, and, we, and uh, we, you know, we raised our voice in that instance uh -huh. and many others. But that's oh, uh, we've got to do this now in unison. It's not enough to do it case by case or senator or wow. house member by house member. We've got to resolve to fix this issue. See, this is a thing that happens when you go on a CNN and you're not expecting to have any tough questions and then you actually get one. Good job by Brooke Baldwin there. I mean, again, you know, she is uh, at times a real advocate here, but she actually asked a tough question, perhaps because of those previous two clips I told you about, where she kept going for this moment of, of, of sadness and blaming uh, you know, the current administration and finding out it was from Obama. She took the time to actually ask that question and... Tammy Baldwin does not expect it. I think it's quite clear she did not expect that one to happen. Uh, and it's interesting to see the sort of stuttering and stuttering there. The answer, if you're consistent, is just yes. You didn't need a long explanation. You didn't need to cite the one constituent you kind of came up with after several minutes. The answer is yeah. That's what's so great about having principles, or at least attempting to have them, because we're all imperfect. But at least attempting to be consistent on issues makes life easy. It makes life easy. All you have to do is sit back and say the thing you actually believe. You don't have to explain why you as this hardcore liberal didn't care at all about the 72,000 kids that were separated from their parents through deportation. You didn't even have to you don't have to worry about it. You have to worry because back then you said the same thing you're saying now. Makes life a lot easier in those interviews. I will say that. Uh Tammy, uh, I mean, look, the answer, the the true answer from Tammy Baldwin could have also been one word, which was no. I didn't say anything. You know why? My guy. That's why. My guy was there, so I didn't say anything. This time it's not my guy. So I'm gonna say something. Telling you, I'm communicating to you. This is the way I want this answered. Uh, well, Brooke, you know, uh, of course I didn't say anything because uh, that was that was a Democrat. And now it's a Republican, so I'm saying something. And, and, and I think this is going to explain something very specific to you, which is I don't actually give a crap about those kids. You know that, right? Like, I don't I don't care about them at all. Um, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, whatever happens to them happens to them. The question we really have to answer here and we have to boil down is, will it help me? That's the important thing. Will it help me? Because if it helps me, then darn it, I am going to speak up. I'm going to be on your TV show. I'm going to look really passionate about things. And then I'm going to collect the payments from the special interest groups that are pushing them. And that is too often how this goes. You got to speak up. It's, it's, you know, it's easy to come up and say things about the other side. It's harder to do it about your own side. It's harder to be critical of your own side. People don't always like it. We found that out occasionally. But again, is that our job? Is it our job to make everybody feel good? 
Is it our job to make everybody feel wonderful in, 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 uh, in their positions? And the answer to that is no. You know, we don't, we don't need to. These are senators. These are congressmen. These are presidents. They can defend themselves. They've gone through entire campaigns where they've had debates. They've had to fend off attacks from special interest groups, from uh, various, uh, you know, attack ads, debates. They've gone through this. They can defend themselves. It's up to us to just be honest and just say what we actually believe. And it makes the whole world a lot easier. Uh, 888-933-93 is the, is the phone number. Let's go to Chuck in Ohio. Chuck, welcome to Pat Gray Unleashed with Stu. Hey, Stu. Glad to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, hey, uh, I think you guys give uh, liberals and them too much uh, due <laughs> because anybody that's pro-abortion has no business whining about you know, children, blah, 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 or anybody. Because how uh, yeah. can they care about children at the border when they don't even care if those children were born? Uh, you know, it's a fair point. Uh, and, of course, obviously separating families is the business Planned Parenthood is in. This, this is their whole job. Their whole job. If, if, if they, you know, keeping parents united is like the antithesis of their mission statement. Um, and we're supposed to take it seriously that they actually care. And that's why we talk about it like this, Chuck, because... You know, it's clear that they're just using this because they found an issue they think they can get Trump on or can get Republicans on. They think they found that thing that can push it over the top, that they can make them unpopular, that can have them winning in 2018 and when it comes to November. And that's really what this is about. Sadly, these kids are pawns, just like they're pawns uh, of the drug traffickers, which many times are bringing them across the border. Yeah, but every time they bring something like this up, we need to throw that back in their face. Well, what do you care? You don't even care that they were born or not. Yeah, I'd encourage you, and thanks for the call, Chuck. I encourage you to go back to uh, the TV show this week. I filled it for Glenn on Monday um, and um, and made that point exactly. Um, listen to the, watch the second segment. We went through exactly exactly this. You know, when you're when you are talking about your sadness and emotion about the border and these children. You have to recognize that a certain percentage of them, if the left has their way, never show up at the border at all. Is that better? Is that a better outcome? I mean, look, we can all come together and say 20 days of separation from their parents at a young age like that is probably pretty traumatic. There are studies that show that it has long-term consequences in some cases. It's not a positive thing. It's one of the reasons why uh, your, uh, your congenial host, Pat Gray, was on the border with Glenn Beck. In 2014, fighting about these exact things and saying that it was wrong under Obama and it's wrong now. You know, there's got to be a better solution here. And the solution is, you know, getting the border to be secured so that these situations don't happen as often as they are now. But until that happens, you're going to do your best to try to make sure that you don't create long-term damage to kids that, you know, look, have no concept of most of the time you know especially younger ones have no concept of what's going on you know they have parents who have made terrible decisions again you can go in your own you're in guatemala you're thinking you really need you really need asylum there's a place you could go in guatemala where you can get it it's called the u.s embassy okay you don't need to walk thousands of miles you need to walk to the u.s embassy in guatemala you need to say i want asylum and then they will process your claim there what's interesting about that is they will not separate you from your family if you do it that way. Here's another option. You walk a really long time. You're thinking, you know, maybe I'll cross the border illegally. And then the last minute you think, maybe that's not a good idea. 
maybe that's not a good idea for me and my family because we might be separated. So instead, you go to a designated port of entry and you claim asylum. And there, they will process you and keep you with your family because you're not committing a crime. The issue here, the reason they're being detained is because they've committed a crime. You can be held with your family if you're claiming asylum because you haven't committed a crime. You're going through it in the normal process. And, you know, Trump is fond of, of talking about how without a borders, without borders, you don't have a country. Uh, without laws, you don't have a country. It's true. It's true. Without a process, you don't have a country. If people just constantly ignore the process designated for specific activities, you get chaos. It's why you have laws. It's why the rule of law was so important to the founders of this country and why it should be important to you. The issue here is the left doesn't find that law to be a law. And this is the way they like to do things. It's just like DACA, which, by the way, is something that Republicans, including the president, are fighting for in a solution to this problem. They're willing to give you DACA. But what was DACA? DACA was the president deciding, you know what? I don't think that's fair. Therefore, it no longer is wrong. That's not how laws work. That's not how a country operates. You, you can't have a legal system where there's some guy at the top saying, you know what, that applies to you, but it doesn't apply to you. It's supposed to apply equally. And, you know, that's what we're trying to get to here. And without a, a rule of law, without something that makes some level of coherent sense, it's impossible to know whether you're going to go to prison tomorrow or not. Let's take a break. Uh, 888-900-3393. It's Pat Gray Unleashed with Stu filling in. Pat Gray Unleashed. The Blaze Radio Network. This is uh, not going to seem like a change to a lot of people, um, but if you think CNN plays a lot of socialist uh, video and propaganda, you might say, what's different about the thing I'm about to show you? Here's what's different. They admitted it. Up in the upper uh, corner here of the video as it aired on CNN, you saw the Democratic Socialists of America uh, as credited for this video. Here they are harassing the DHS secretary at dinner. Wants them to have. 
I mean, it, these people are just the worst. It's it's serious. It's impossible. Even if you agree with their cause, they're impossible to like. However, they did bring up something very important, uh, at which since I initially heard this video, all I've wanted to do was this, which is. We've got tortillas. Now, you might think to yourself, you know, there's a lot of important commentary or something in there. But what you don't know is that peanut butter on tortilla is freaking delicious. Where's the, uh, there we go. Okay. Now, this is an important, important thing to learn here on the Pack Ray Unleashed program. Get a little peanut butter. Start it off like this. Smear it on like this. Get some peanut butter going on the uh, tortilla. Okay. Now you might think. Now this is what they're not doing for these kids in the in in the uh, in the Texas concentration camps. No jelly, but I've got it here because I treat myself really good. Let's scoop a little of that jelly on there. Now this is a this is something I want you to learn for for home, if, especially if you have kids. I think this is an enjoyable thing. And what you can do is you can freeze this afterwards and keep the ice in it, if that's your preference. You get some peanut butter and jelly on there. And this is the key. A banana. Okay? You might think this doesn't sound that good. Oh, it's delicious. Okay, you take the banana. You take off this little end piece, which everyone hates. And it's, it's, for some reason, tastes thousands of times worse than the rest of the banana. And you break out the banana like this. And you can do this. A really good way of doing this is with a hot dog bun. But we're going to do it with a tortilla today. And you kind of just break off the ends because it's curvy. And you put the, the banana in the middle like this. Okay. And it's a little bit of a, it's a very large banana. And then you kind of wrap it up. You can mush it if you want. Uh, you wrap it up like this. And you get kind of a peanut butter, jelly, and banana tortilla wrap. Okay. And you kind of see what's going on inside. Pretty delicious. And if you put, you can do it with a hot dog bun too. We call it a banana dog at home. Uh, and then you've got a delicious lunch. And now all I've been thinking about since that stupid video is not socialism like they wanted, but delicious peanut butter on a tortilla. Peanut butter, banana, and jelly on a tortilla. Oh yeah, that is solid. Um, <clears throat> now some people would say this isn't really a much of a radio show, but here's the problem. I just did a three-hour radio show. So now here's the fourth hour, and I can't I haven't had a break for lunch yet. So I'm kind of just tying in the content with the sandwich, which is kind of what I do. Uh so there you go. I hope you appreciate that. Courtesy. That recipe, courtesy of the Democratic Socialists of America, because that's the type of people they are. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to do, we have more on the immigration thing. We'll take your calls as well if you would like, 888-900-3393. Uh, we, will, uh, we can go on the immigration thing. We have a lot of other kind of different stories. Also, the return of spoons today, a big deal. Uh, Pat has been eating healthy. I don't know if you know this. Pat has lost 35 pounds. Does he talk about that on the show? It's noticeable if you if you he doesn't really talk about it. Yeah, he's lost a bunch of weight, and I think the main reason for that is because he stopped doing spoons. We used to do spoons every day on the show, and we try a new pro, uh, product, and then afterwards we'd eat the rest of it when we weren't on the show, and we'd get fatter. 
Um, so we're going to bring that back. I don't think this show is fat enough anymore. That's my big criticism of it. Uh, once the stew got out of the patent stew, it got too thin, too skinny. The show's too skinny. So we'll come back with spoons uh, today and your phone calls, 888-900-3393. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the Blaze Radio Network. At Pat Unleashed is the uh, is uh, the Twitter thingy. Uh, at World of Stew as well as mine. Uh, it's Stu filling in for Pat. People uh, asking if Pat is selling facial cream. Of course, the answer to that is yes. Uh, Pat has been has left many lucrative industries, and always the result is that he is selling facial cream, uh, facial cream, elbow cream, uh, any sort of moisturizing cream is kind of in Pat's wheelhouse. And that's why his skin's so beautiful. That's why his skin is so beautiful. Uh, and so that is, yes, of course, where he is. Uh, the truth is finally out about Progressive Pat. I mean, Kami Pat. Thank you for exposing the truth. World of Stew. Uh, yes, it's true. Pat is on a, a cruise uh, to communism. It's called the Communist Cruise. And that's where he is right now. He's on vacation. He'll be back. Uh, not next week, right? The week after? I don't know. He's out for a couple weeks. About two weeks, so he will be back in a couple of weeks. So you have a great uh, uh, roster of fill-in hosts that will be taking you through the next couple of weeks. Obviously, myself, <laughs> me being number one on that list. Uh, I think uh, Sarah's in here uh, a couple times, uh, and then obviously uh, Jeffy. So he'll be joining us here in a little while for he want to do um, an episode of uh, Chewing the Fat with Jeffy, which I'm very excited about, as well as a new episode, a brand new first in months and months and months, first episode of Spoons, uh, where we'll be trying communists or capitalism's, excuse me, greatest hits. And because the communist is gone, we're allowed to do that. Um, so man, let's go through some of these tweets a little bit more here uh, later. Let's go to some of the uh, stuff that happened here yesterday. Donald Trump is, is being... He's getting beat up a little bit for a comment he made. He had a rally yesterday in which he is going around the country. A lot of people are speculating the reason why he, or at least part of the reason why PR-wise, they changed this policy. He's about to go in front of a bunch of large audiences and didn't necessarily want to deal with it. Though his audiences are fairly supportive. I don't know if people have noticed that. But he was uh, attacked for a comment he made about elitism. Uh, here it is. This is uh, Donald Trump yesterday at a rally. You ever notice they always call the other side, and they do this up the elite. The elite. Why are they elite? I have a much better apartment than they do. I'm smarter than they are. I'm richer than they are. I became president and they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm representing the greatest, smartest, most loyal, best people on earth. The deplorables. Remember that? The deplorables. 
So it's interesting there. It's such a he has such an interesting approach. Like any other politician, even if you're joking like that, your audience wouldn't cheer you. They think it was a terrible moment. I mean, you know, Mitt Romney got hammered for saying what forty seven percent of people didn't pay taxes, uh, you know, and brought that point up, and that was this big controversy. Trump could be like, yeah, I'm elite. And I, I got to say, it's it's an, I, I find it to be, you may disagree with this, I find it to be a very likable moment from him. I, I, I you know, it, it's honest, right? It's uh, self-deprecating in a, in a very odd way. You know, it's strange to kind of say, make, you know, saying a wonderful thing about yourself is self-deprecating. It's not usually the way it works. However, with him, because it's kind of a stereotype against him, people say these things about, you know, all he cares about is his money and his ego and his wealth. It's kind of it's kind of refreshing for him to just be out there. Yeah, that's that's me. Uh, you know what? Got the best apartment in the world. It's covered in gold. Uh, you know, I bathe in diamonds. Uh, you know, that's what I do. So yeah, sue me. That's who I am. So I kind of like it from that perspective. And it's sort of a self-deprecating statement. But I also like it because it's one of those things we've we've gone down a strange road with, which is elitism in and of itself is not an insult. For some reason, people have turned it into an insult to say someone is elite. Oh, these elites out there, they're doing this. The elites are doing this. The elites are doing that. It's a, it's sort of like populist shorthand for anyone who doesn't agree with me that has a, 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 a job with some level of power. And the, the idea is, and I understand this, that they have different sort of uh, interests than uh than you have they're different they do, they only care about themselves they only care about uh they only care about their own interests and and that's uh an under understandable sentiment it's one i expressed in hour one i think it's common people get into washington they start thinking about their jobs they think about their side uh we'll, we'll play a couple of clips uh, from here but i mean it happens on both sides the left didn't care about obama with all the kids on the border then now all of a sudden they care uh, breitbart is another great example they look like complete morons. They they came out and, and, and as an attack, attacked Glenn for bringing soccer balls and teddy bears to the border to ease the suffering of these uh, victims of a terrible border uh, uh, policy combined with uh, parents who are making terrible decisions. But no one's saying a four-year-old is, has made the terrible decision. And so to make them, make their stay here a little bit better before they're sent home, making sure we still enforce our border policy, makes a lot of sense as a person of faith, as a person of good conscience. I mean, you don't want to punish the kids for the crimes of the adult. But the border policy still needs to stand, and you don't stay because you come across the border with a, uh, with a small kid. Well, uh, God, Breitbart back then, God, they, couldn't, they couldn't deal with that. It was a sellout on the border and blah, 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 blah. Now, their defense of Trump is, well, it's really nice. They've got soccer balls. I mean, how can you complain about this? Everyone's saying Trump is such a bad guy. Why would he give him soccer balls and warm food? I mean, when you don't have principles, every argument that appears in front of your face makes a lot of sense. And it's hard to stay consistent because you're constantly having to change your viewpoint. This happened with Corey Lewandowski the other day. Corey Lewandowski was uh, on TV and he was mocking a a Down syndrome child uh, who... Uh, was apparently in one of these bad situations on the border. Now, if you would have gone back, rewind a few weeks, I'm sure Corey Lewandowski was on TV saying how bad it was, 
that the left was going after Down syndrome kids uh, and wanting to essentially abort the entire population of them. Now, I happen to agree with him that that's a really bad thing. The left didn't. Now the left has switched, and Corey Lewandowski has switched. Corey Lewandowski, by the way, just lost his speaking gig over his womp womp moment, uh, which is a whole, whole other situation. But, I mean, I think, like, just being honest is the right way to go. Why not? Why not just be honest? I like the word elitist. I, it's, elitist is not something that I run from. People attack me at times online. They'll, you get, we get tweets like this all the time. You're a damn elitist. You, you don't understand. You're an elitist. You're not, you know, I'll talk about, you know, some free trade thing and you'll get, oh, well, you don't understand. You're just an elitist. You know, I, 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 I don't like the idea that elitist is used as an insult. I, I embrace it completely. People say I'm an elitist and I say, no, no, no. I aspire to be an elitist. Now, luckily, I'm rational enough to realize I probably won't get there. Pretty pathetic. I just ate a, a tortilla with peanut butter and jelly on national television. I don't know how that's elite. It's about the least elite thing you'll ever see. I just ate a tortilla wrapped around a banana with uh, le- uh, with peanut butter and jelly on national television. You're, talk- you're calling me elite? I don't think so. Um, and I, I see this all the time. The one thing you know about someone who calls you an elitist as an attack, and I think the president knows this, is that if someone attacks you for being an elitist, they themselves are not elite. You see, the thing is, elite is a compliment. We should, in this country, we don't aspire to be middle class. We don't aspire to just make enough money to pay the rent. We aspire to be elite. Now, if you happen to be elite, and you happen to make lots and lots of money, and you happen to have a real big, powerful job, what you do with that determines who you are. But just the fact that you have a lot of nice things doesn't make you good or bad. There are a lot of people who are really rich that do a lot of great things. There are a lot of people who are really poor who do a lot of bad things. And vice versa. That's the way the the world works. The word, listen to this, the antonyms for the word elite. Okay? So if you're not elite, what are you? Well, you're the opposite of elite. For example, bad, inferior, poor, second rate, Common, low class, lower class, ordinary, and the worst. Now, probably the best thing you're pulling out of that list is ordinary. So congratulations, you're attacking someone for not being ordinary. And the worst thing that you're calling yourself there is literally the worst thing you can call yourself, which is, you know, the worst. (laughs) It's self-evident, the worst thing. How about what does elite actually mean? Exclusive, choice, cool, noble, super, greatest, tip top, top drawer, top notch, upper class, and world class. So I'm being called a super noble, upper-class, choice, top-notch guy by the worst, ordinary, low-class, second-rate person on earth. I think I I want to be on the right side of that one. I think think this is something that Trump should continue with. I think he should just embrace the word elite. Let's take it back. Used to be an insult. Let's take it back to what it's supposed to mean. It's actually a compliment. And it's something that... I, I. well, I'll probably never achieve. I'm aspiring to be it someday. 
I want to be an elitist. I want to look down at all the little people. I want to give it a whirl. I want to get so high on my high horse that I can't even see you from how high I am. That's what I'm going to try to do. Now, probably the most elite person I know is one Brad Staggs. I mean, when I see, when I think elitist, I just go right to Brad. That happens a lot. Does I, it? I get that. Yeah. Um, I think it's just my posture more than anything else. <laughs> you know, that, that is yeah. actually the number one thing I had on the list. Yeah. Posture. That and, uh, that and clean ears. And clean ears. And, and, and because we have not had the pleasure yet of, of discussing earwax. I, I love talking with earwax. I could do it all day. <laughs> do you know... Mm-hmm. That in the past, earwax was actually, and you probably didn't know this, was actually part of a, 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 a ink inking process when the scribes would uh, create their little scrolls back in uh, the, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You're not, uh, not, recycling isn't all good. Well, they, <laughs> they would also recycle, it, it made a tincture, uh, a little salve for uh, stab wounds too. They would take earwax and, mm-hmm. Really? I kid you not. Interesting. I and did not know that. the best, mm-hmm. I saved the best for last. Mm-hmm. It was also used as lip balm. Oh. No, See, that's everyone, not true. That's true. You, what are you, you're like an earwax encyclopedia. I am the wax whisperer. <laughs> I am the wax whisperer. <laughs> and it's all thanks to usewaxrx.com. I mean, that is... Remember, Leonard Nimoy wrote a book years ago called I Am Not Spock. He, he did not want to be that character. Mm-hmm. And then he wrote a book called I Am Spock. My book will be called <laughs> I Am the Wax Whisperer because I'm embracing it right off. Can you imagine how much earwax a Vulcan would have? Man. An incredible amount. That would be a lot of earwax. And it would likely be a different color. <laughs> I Since, think you're right. Yeah, does ear, now, does use wax RX, does that work on Vulcan earwax? You know, that's a really good question. We haven't tested it there. <laughs> we well, probably I, have to modify the tip on it. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. It's made by the same company that makes the stuff for doctor's offices, so we have the technology. It's that simple. It's usewaxrx.com. And if you use promo code radio, you get free standard shipping. Isn't this a beautiful world? It is. Usewaxrx.com. Very cool. Brad, thank you very much. Always my pleasure. And it's Mr. Wax Whisperer. Thank you, Mr. Wax Whisperer. It's better. We're back with more Wax Talk in just a moment. (laughs) Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. Here on the Blaze Radio Network. Such a liar. Whoever that was was such a liar. Pat Gray's not here. He's like in Alaska somewhere on a cruise, but he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, filling in is, uh, well, it's me, Stu. Uh, we also have uh, a way to communicate with each other. It's called the telephone. You can call it. Uh, dial 888-900-3393. Yes, I'm going to check every single time. 888-900-3393 is the number. Let's go to Hawk in New York. Welcome to the program, Hawk. Hi, yes. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking, or good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I just briefly wanted to talk about the immigrant or the illegal immigrant crisis. And I feel that some entity or entities are getting people from the Central American countries to come to America. I'm not sure why, but how come they're not stopped? The people from, let's say, Panama aren't stopped at Costa Rica, and the people from Panama and Costa Rica aren't stopped stopped by Nicaragua and so forth and so on, Honduras and Guatemala. How come Mexico doesn't stop them from getting through their country and getting to our border? So someone or some entity is pushing this. How can people who are so poor 
get the financing to traverse two and three or four Central American countries and then come right on up to uh, our border. And uh, just briefly about the Mueller investigation, the Mueller investigation is is patently, um, I guess, illegal because of the concept of fruits of the poisonous tree, which states that if you get a warrant from fraudulent means or by using fraudulent means, any of the fruits of that investigation are also tainted and inadmissible in a court of law. Well, I mean, I wanted to say. Cool. Thanks. I'm a supporter of the president. And uh, do I like everything he does? No. But Mm -hmm. do I like the direction he's taken the country in? Because we were going way too far off the rails the other way. Mm -hmm. And and also the people who are so concerned about the uh, the young uh, illegal immigrant children. Yes. Where are they when 14 million uh, black babies have been aborted since Roe v. Wade? Where are they when almost that same amount of of Hispanic Brown babies have been aborted in the womb. That's almost 28 million people. I don't hear anybody, you know, crying out for that. Very little, very little outcry for that. You brought up a bunch of points there. I think, I want to say four, maybe a half dozen we got to there. Um, You know, and I don't remember all of them, honestly, at this point. Um, The point of the Mueller investigation briefly, uh, the fruit of the poisonous tree is definitely the public relations argument they're going for there. Now, that does not mean that, I mean, because... The idea with the struck page thing and the awful texts and blatant bias by them in, in, in these investigations, I think, pretty clearly, right? Uh, now, the, 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 the headline for the report was how they didn't find bias. However, what they said was they could not find evidence of certain bias, essentially. They could not find, okay, they were biased. Here's the decision they made the wrong way. However, there's many small decisions you make throughout an investigation that could be influenced by bias. And there was bias there, I think, without a doubt, in the Mueller investigation. Um, The idea here is going to, and this is actually going back to really, we don't even know the Mueller investigation. We're talking about the Hillary email investigation. But that's what the point of this is. The point of this is, the reason why they're making um, a huge deal is not because they think they're worried necessarily about how Clinton's emails were handled at this point. Trump won. Right. Like the the important thing to the American people. Yes, Clinton specifically should have to be responsible for her actions. But the, the, the what was important to the nation there and not just the Clinton family is the fact that if Clinton had won the election. And had bias against her in this investigation. And the investigation came out in her favor, then you could make a real argument that it may have affected the election. The opposite actually happened. Remember, Clinton, yes, there was bias uh, in favor of Clinton in the Hillary email investigation. However, that bias really was, was um, while it existed early, was really overturned by the fact that the bias in favor of Clinton actually wound up helping Trump at the end. Because of the moronic uh, bias of Peter Strzok, they delayed the... Uh, Anthony Weiner laptop situation and it landed 10 days before the election which came which Comey uh, admits was the reason why he felt he needed to go to Congress and that I mean it was a tight election uh, and you know most of most polling experts believe that that did I- either play a role or was the absolute uh, reason why the election came out that way now you can ar- ar- agree with that or disagree with that point being though uh, number one, it could be a good lesson. Don't uh, don't be biased. 
uh, to try to analyze things accurately. And the way that, you know, instead of trying to influence an investigation, you might wind up screwing that up in the end. Um, but that is the the public-facing argument of the Trump administration now is uh, Strzok and Page were biased, therefore don't believe anything that comes out of here if it's bad for Trump. It's a little unfair uh, because Mueller is the one who caught this bias, right? This is, I mean, you know, it came out at least, uh, and he was aware of it. I shouldn't say that he caught it specifically, but it came out in the midst of their investigation, and they have had a plenty of chance now to look at whatever Strzok was able to uncover in this investigation and say, okay, this was influence and this wasn't. Whether they do that accurately or not, we don't know. Remember, of course, Mueller comes from not a Democrat background, but a Republican one. So we'll see how that turns out. I think it's it's probably premature to say everything in the investigation is, is wrong. You need to analyze it piece by piece and look at it fairly when it comes out. And that's the thing. We don't know anything that's in this investigation, really. We only know reports. This is something that people keep saying. Well, they haven't found anything. Trump even says it. Well, they haven't found anything. They've had this investigation going on the entire time. Think of it this way. An investigation like this is not a TV series. An investigation like this is a movie. Now, if you think about this, think about the Breaking Bad seasons one through five, right? If you tune in, if you watch season one, you know something that's actually happened, right? You've seen a season of the show and then the season two will come out and then you'll know what happened in season two. And season three and season four and season five and then it's over, okay? That's how a TV series unfolds. You watch it week by week or episode by episode and you get a little bit of piece of the puzzle and you advance. That is not how an investigation like this works. An investigation like this works like a movie. Star Wars is coming out. You get trailers. But until the day the movie comes out, you don't know what happens in the movie. You'll get little previews. You'll get little leaks. You'll get little bits and pieces in interviews. You get little bits and pieces uh, in trailers. But until the mother investigation is actually released, we're not going to know what's in it. So there's no reason to sit here and go and speculate about it because we just don't know. We really don't know. And to his first of 12 points was uh, the border. The border, uh, I encourage you to go back and look at uh, the TV shows. Uh, Glenn did an actual uh, show on exactly what he was talking about when it comes to the border situation. Um, And it was, there are specific groups. We showed you their pictures. We showed you their funding. These groups um, are designed to do exactly what is happening on the border now. Um, It was largely around the caravan uh, that was making its way up uh, Central America. You know, it's being covered by the news. How on earth is this not being stopped by one of these governments? Well, there's relationships, there's money that that changes hands, and they do everything they can to help these things along because a border chaos... On one uh, in in a, in a place uh, as this is going on is beneficial to these groups. You see what's happening now. Look at this. This is theoretically a bad situation for uh, f- for people who are struggling with the border, right? At least that's what you'd believe. You'd believe in theory this is a bad situation. Ha- however, look what the what's happening. When's the last time people? Uh, you know, rallied around illegal immigrants at the poll of is 80 to 14 to change this this policy. 80 to 14. It's not a borderline issue with the American people. This is doing nothing but helping people looking to open the borders. So there are people, it's a, it's a very smart observation. 
You know, you're you're a poor person. You're in the middle of Guatemala somewhere. You got to make it up to this border. How are you doing that? You're getting assistance in a lot of cases. Sometimes it's assistance from drug or mules. Sometimes it's assistance from uh, uh, bad actors. Sometimes it's 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 uh, assistance from uh, public advocacy groups. But you're not doing that on your own. You're going to need help. And it happens all too often. If you go back and look at the TV show, uh, you will see this from, I don't want to say it was three or four weeks ago. And what Glenn had kind of predicted there was, we're going to have a crisis at the border. There's going to be a, a manufactured crisis at the border. And that is going to turn into a big election issue. Well, here we are. <laughs> I mean, look, you can, you can blame Trump for it. I think, and I think there's, there's an element of that which is somewhat correct. If you're going to make a change like this, that's going to result in people with crying pictures of children on the border, you better be prepared for the fallout. And it doesn't seem like they were fully prepared for it. It's like the the whole issue with the travel ban. You know, it's the same thing. It's just it just wasn't pushed through the right way. You know, and and, and it doesn't seem like they were prepared for the fallout. That's not good. But you know, we're here, and uh, we've kind of had a change in policy, and we'll see where it goes as we approach the election. Uh, 888-900-3393. It's Stu in for Pat Gray. Pat Gray. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Gray returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, so, joining me in the studio, and there's just th- picture in your head funny music right now. It's chewing the fat with well, Jeffy. Is, is it funny music? Because I think it's <laughs> entitled Elephant Walk. Elephant Walk. Yeah, that's the title. Elephant of Walk. It. So, I don't know, it's not that funny, really. Yeah, I guess not. It's just just a factual thing about a large animal. <laughs> that's not really all about comedy, I suppose. So, listen. Yes. Um, it's going pretty well so far. You've been listening? Oh, yes. Really good, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going good, great. A good, entertaining, informative I show. I didn't think that uh, I was going to have to come in and you know, kind of rescue the show with the segment, but the uh, hmm. I thought, man, I better get in there. No, it sounds well, great. I, it, oh, look, I, I'm feeling it today. Good to hear you on Blaze Radio by yourself, though. It's been a long time it's been a, since uh, yeah, you've done a show Yeah, I don't know if I've ever own. done a you Blaze Radio show in my life. I was, like, I was talking to Amber last night. Like, you know, everybody talks about Stu, but no one's heard that. Here on this network, yeah, you know, because I did. Uh, obviously, we did Pat and Stu for a million years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, filled in for Glenn on radio, but never, never a Blaze Radio no. show. So here we go. This is pretty exciting, and I and so I'm filling in today, today, uh, tomorrow, and then next week I've got a, a day. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, pretty excited about that. It's going to be well, great. We're going to try to cancel that one. Oh. What's that? No, I was just thinking that we may reschedule some of those shows. Um, oh, I'm having a meeting later today, and uh, so. Okay. All right. I thought I'm it was going pretty. With no one else, but just myself. Really? So yeah, you couldn't get the <laughs> were act. You, right? Were you press cl- cancel, 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 <laughs> delete, delete, delete in the spreadsheet? All right, here you go. So what do you got for us today, Jeff? Well, first, let's uh, rest in peace to Coco. Uh, you know the the master gorilla, the Coco, the main gorilla who had new sign language and did artwork, and the whole world loved Coco. I the gorilla. She I, died uh, at forty six. Oh, so no, we got the, uh, we got the news from the Gorilla Foundation. 
Wouldn't it have been uh, better for us to for you to prepare me a little for that news? Oh, you do you know? me, hey, do you remember Coco? Yeah, the artist I, lo- I and love the gorilla that the gr- did sign language and stuff. Yes, of course. Yeah, you know she's getting a little old. Oh no, she, is she really? She hasn't really felt oh, really good. No. They've moved her a couple of times. Oh my gosh, and now that's she's sad. not feeling really good. Yeah, oh. she's dead now. Oh no, she just did. Yeah, that much. That was much better. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You brought me through the entire grieving process there, and I appreciate it. Uh, oh wow, that's uh, very sad. It's very sad. I, I will say I didn't know. And if you have an opportunity to check out some of Coco's art, man, is it good. There's a billboard in Texas that uh, tells. <laughs> there's a billboard in Texas that it actually isn't up anymore. Uh, they caved. Uh, when you look at the screen, you see the billboard. Uh, liberals, please continue yeah. on I-40 until you have left our great state of Texas. Uh, I say tremendous. I and, funny, and you, right? It's, it's a joke. It, it's amazing that someone in Texas caved. They caved. We're getting a lot of caving near the border all, these days, aren't we? They got all the mm. uh, they got all the backlash, social media. Yeah, we're taking it down. So, is the, so it's I down. mean, because I thought it was look, it's a funny, it's joke. a funny thing. If you went to, uh, you know, Washington or Washington D.C., maybe not the best example because uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we paid for the place. Uh, how about uh, New York? You go to New York, you're driving across New York, you're in a very liberal area. It's a billboard that says, "Hey, conservatives, get out." I mean, you do like we take it chuckle. as a joke or do we do? We, with, uh, you know what? There is enough of the audience, uh, not not particularly this audience, I don't think, but there's enough no. of the conservative audience that would might be upset with it and complain we about it. We just say liberals I mean, get out. It's addicted. It's addicted to outrage, right? Um, yes. You know, Glenn's got this book coming up, is. addicted to outrage, and it's like, it, like that should be something. Whether it says conservatives get out or liberals get out, that you kind of just laugh about. So the guy, the guy got a bunch of fire for it, and uh, he decided to uh, the billboard company talked to the guy that paid for it and they decided to talk you know take it down he said uh, my mistake was is that uh, i shouldn't have been directing people to go to oklahoma i should have been directing them to go to california trying to make a joke of it but they caved they did they they, they did cave very sad the only good kind of thing that comes out of it Mm -hmm. is that they're replacing it with the big texan steak ranch so at least there's an ad for a steak place (laughs) there you go so if you see the ad go to the steak now if they put if they put something on there jeffy that says vegetarians get out of oh, Texas. Man. I am going to be infuriated. Oh, man. That's so bad. Mm-hmm. It is really so bad. Uh, congratulations to Jeff Bezos. Uh, and now worth the record $141 billion. Wait, what? Congratulations to Jeff Bezos. Uh, he's now worth the record $141 billion. He is now the him personally? richest person in the world. Wow, he passed Gates. Yep. Now, Gates has been giving his cash away for a while. Well, yeah, but I mean, but Gates and Buffett—they're not even close. And, Are they? They're not even. I mean, there's no one else over a hundred billion, is there? Um, I don't think so. Uh, Bezos, uh, or is that the, he's worth forty-nine billion more than Gates and sixty billion more than Buffett. Wow. So I mean, he really does spit on these people. Uh, wow. <laughs> and you know what? What's interesting about that is he owns Amazon, of That's course, and so forty percent of his fortune came from my wife's credit card. And the other uh, 20 or 30 came from mine. So <laughs> <laughs> congratulations, yes. Jeff. I got to say, you know, sometimes you, 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 these people, they make money. You're like, like George Soros. You're like, oh, jeez, this guy, he's going out there. He's manipulating <laughs> currencies. He's, you know, got all these shady things going oh, on. Absolutely shady things. Yeah, sometimes you get to the point, you sit back and you say, you know, you know who deserves $140 billion is Jeff Bezos. Jeff, no kidding. Uh, look, the guy. No kidding. He's Amazon figured out is, a way for me to not leave my home yeah. and have something I want delivered to my front door in a reasonable amount of time exactly i love it it's it's perfect for you and me being very lazy <laughs> oh man individuals and think of what it does what the service the 
Right. Amazon will have it here tomorrow. Stay here. Yeah. I just stay here. And then think of the service to the community that happens, especially your community, that you don't leave the house. I mean, like Why other people that? might see you. They might have to bump into you. They might have to do business with you. Instead, they never do. They, somebody leaves something outside, you creak open the door, <laughs> and you bring in the package. You know, I was laughing. Speaking of that, uh, my wife's grandchild is staying with us right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was uh, crying because she didn't want me to go this morning. And I'm driving to work going, Another year, she's going to be like all the rest of them. <laughs> a whole year? You think that's lasting? I think I can, yeah. I, I think I can milk it a year. Yeah. <laughs> all right, what else? Yeah. Oprah Winfrey, now worth uh, $4 billion. Congratulations. Four? I'm just congratulating billionaires. Yeah, I mean, Oprah and Jeff Be- Bezos is like, I mean, you need some change. God, I mean, that's a matter. I mean, think of how, how big a deal Oof. Oprah is in the world. $4 billion. $4 billion. Dollars. That's a lot of money. It well, is a lot I mean, of cash. I, I but know, it's nothing I know compared it's to just Jeff. Below what you have, yeah, it's a little bit. I mean, you know, I got that. Uh, if 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 it's a downturn in the market, I can get into the four billion dollar area. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it happens to all the best I, of us. Look, I, I understand, but uh, these guys. I mean, uh, congratulations to Oprah. Good for her. She's you know, TV person, and you know, four billion. That's it's pretty good nice. For her. Yeah, pretty freaking really nice. sweet. Yeah. Well, I mean, what she people aren't. I'm not. She doesn't have anything coming to my home like Bezos does. Yeah. Wait, what's, she, what's she done for me? Nothing. Yeah. I will say this. We're not going to get another freaking you know week or two of Oprah for president stories. Are we out of this? I don't want to hear it. Well, she's already said no, right? She said no, but they, she said no a hundred times. And every, every, every time there's an Oprah story, we have to, we have to deal with. That's true. Would you ever run for office? Story? That's true. Don't you, what about the border? What about the border? Right. There'll be some issue oh that makes God. it too important. And that's, that's the way they always do. I, think, I mean, everybody, every politician does this. Um, no, of course I'm not going to run. I'm not. A, I don't see. I don't see that happening. Uh, you know, unless something real. I, I don't think I don't see it's going to happen. And then some issue is like uh, they raised a local sales tax. Oh, wow. Well, that's not that <laughs> I, bastards. I'm, I'm in the back. race. Yeah, this, this town needs me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's always the case. She uh, that's what I'm afraid of with the uh, Chris Pratt stuff. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, he was so great coming off the weekend and his little list and God and busy preaching at MTV crowd. Oh, he's and I'm start just, getting I'm the office questions. I'm concerned that uh, you know he's somebody's going to ask him and he's going to say, "Oh, we got to do something about the border. Those kids is horrible." And so, be careful what you love because he's just sure. a Hollywood guy, man. Yeah, embracing celebrities never works out for conservatives. I never, Though I never. will say, like I, I thought, I thought about this a little bit with you um, two recently. And you two, they've kind of most conservatives, I think, look at you two and are like, "Oh gosh, you know, they're crazy musicians." Yeah, but, but occasionally, Bono, Bono comes, comes yes, out, he and he like, first of all, Bono has said multiple times the best way to to alleviate poverty is capitalism. He's, right, he loves right? It. like that yeah. clear. Um, you know, he's he's a, a faithful guy. He talks about Absolutely. God a lot. Family, all uh, of family, it, yeah. like you know. So there's a lot of things he he does well. He's you know charitable contributions. He said that you know uh, just dumping money at dictators is maybe not the best way to handle huh. foreign aid. Like you think? he's done a lot of things like that yeah. that I think are interesting. Um, however, he also they were tweeting support for the uh, repeal of the abortion ban in uh, Ireland, and like there there's this thing of like I don't know how to how to deal with those characters you know like let's just say i'm and this is not as you may know jeffy i'm not god i may look like a god however i mean is this the first you're admitting it to yourself i I am the first time i've ever thought maybe i'm not uh but no i'm not god uh so i don't know how to decipher these things but let's just make an example up for a moment let's just say bono's 30% 30% Christian. Okay. Okay. Like, throw it out there. Right. And let's say 
the average conservative is 70% Christian, all right? Because right? uh, nobody's perfect, as we all know. Uh, they, so, except for, of course, you, which, well, uh, you know, you're, you're wonderful. Look, uh, but, but like, this doesn't the, happen just by accident. Right. The, anyway. po- the point is, if someone's only 30% uh, in agreement with you on these uh, topics. That's okay. Do you trash them as uh, I don't? I they're dead to me. Hate their other seventy. And so hate their much other seventy. You can't take the thirty. Or do you just say, know. you know what? It's Hollywood. It's musicians. Let's embrace the thirty. And you gotta go take the thirty, right? Lives. You gotta take the thirty and hope you can make it to thirty-five. Yeah, exactly. You have to. And Chris Pratt, I think as they get older, the, it ticks up a little bit, right? Yeah. It, you know, maybe I mean, it's, you hope other than you know Peter Fonda. Peter the, Fonda. You hope. <laughs> really, I mean, he's in his seventies, right? So he's. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's going the other way. Yeah, I mean, he's well, he's Hollywood royalty. He's been that way forever. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean, yeah. Dad, he's zero percent. Sisters, his daughters. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been zero percent conservative yes. for a very long time. Very long, very long time. time. Never. Yeah. So I think there's there's something to embrace there. Even if Pratt, like I could totally see Pratt coming out and and making an annoying Absolutely. comment That's about what, the border. I can feel it. I can totally. feel it coming, I, I especially totally after this week with uh, the too, love he's gotten for that. Too much God. Uh, you know, oh, he talked man. on stage. The, the, the Hollywood's not going to like that. I mean, the morning shows wouldn't care, even though. put it in the list. All they wanted to put in is the the poop line. Yeah. Oh, they wouldn't even put the God stuff in. That wasn't it. He was up there preaching for that 10 minutes. Amazing. Are you kidding me? You can't even put it in there. Sad. All right. Uh, I just uh, got this email in today, and, and fortunately, uh, you're going to be hearing it soon so you can get your tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the third edition of ACI's European Mineral Fertilizer Summit is uh, back. And uh, you can get tickets are available right now. I just got the this fer- email today. A fertilizer? Uh, November 28th and 29th in uh, Amsterdam. Do you... Yeah, the European Mineral Fertilizer Summit mm. uh, is going to bring together senior executives and experts from the fertilizer industries as well as market analysis. And if you if you wonder, wonder hey, what? what else is going on? It's like some pitch from a PR firm or something. Uh, environmental hmm. uh, emphasis on EU policy reform, investigating water use efficiency, Ooh. the importance of nutrient use efficiency. How many? I, I, I know you've been talking about that for a long of time. Fertilizers. The future. Uh, the future of fertilizers, and of course, look. You want to learn how to optimize fertilizer sustainability with biostimulants. So that's all part of the weekend wow. in November. How, where do I get my tickets, Jeff? <laughs> you can just sign. Because <laughs> I, I already had a flight. I knew I was going to be in Amsterdam. I just wasn't sure where to stay yet. Uh, that sounds so exciting. something I want to be a part of more than the European Mineral Fertilizer Summit. Mm, oh, man. That's going to be big. Oh, man. All right. You know, uh, by the way, we're coming up. I want to make sure we at least let people know in just a moment. We've got a new episode of Spoons, the first oh. episode of Spoons in months and months. I probably need to. Because I guess what's his, edit like some Pat apparently here. now is a healthy eater or something. I'm so, so sick of him. I know. You no, know, seriously, he's not here. But I, I, and he's not here, so we can talk. You know, we can talk. Well, yeah, we can talk honestly now. I'm so sick. Of he him can't hear us. That's why. I know. I, I can't eat that. You know, you know, I, mean, I got my little bar and I got my little shake with my with my field of has greens. He been, and it, the, uh, has he been giving you the keto thing, the keto oh. talk? After his after the Netflix thing, have you watched that yet? Have you watched that yet? Because oh, there's a story the on the Netflix, thing, yes, yeah. with so, where it helped there. all these people, and now he's convinced it's going to help him. He's we got. He saw that. some documentary. I, I'm afraid to watch it because then I'm going to be hooked too. Right. <laughs> documentary. <laughs> it's going to be another effective. story that makes me feel bad about myself. Yeah, and you. And well, I have to go and, have some ice cream. You know, you probably should feel kind of bad about yourself. You know, I mean, maybe even maybe without should, the documentary, maybe you should consume a little more material that makes you feel bad. Since you left Pat, since there's no patents too, I don't think you're getting enough. You're not getting enough. That's clearly evident. <laughs> That's clearly evident. All right, so we'll do some story editing. Let's uh, let's wrap it up with uh, yeah, yeah, The Incredibles two last weekend. Huge uh, Jurassic Park this weekend. 
big deal. But mm-hmm. uh, in November, uh, and and look, I know you're going to be at the fertilizer summit. On, oh my gosh, is it the same? The twenty? Oh no, no. Okay. You'll be able to you'll be able to do this and then go to the summit. Okay, good. good All right. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1985, Stu, in 1985, yes. Apollo Creed came out of retirement Ooh. at 42 years old to fight Avon Drago. It was a terrible move. But Creed <laughs> tragically died during the fight. It's a bad decision by uh, Apollo. 33 years later, mm-hmm. there's another generation of boxers <laughs> looking to avenge their fathers. <laughs> Creed 2. Yes. 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 This is so good. It's gonna be so good. You heard me? Metro Golden Mare. In the ring, you got rules. Outside, you got nothing. Life hits you with all these cheap shots. People like me, we live in the past. You got people that need you now. Hey. You got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. So I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. But you don't think I could beat him? Whoa. I was afraid I couldn't live up to these expectations. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty inside my DNA. You don't think you got your validation? I got loyalty. I want to rewrite history. It's very similar to your training argument. It's about your father. More than a title. It may not seem like it now, but this is more than just a fight. Green too. I mean, it's so interesting because <laughs> so good. That looks. I mean, to me, outstanding, uh, utterly amazing, Absolutely. and I can't wait to see I can't it. Either. I'm so I excited. For it. I, you and I are on the same page. On the other hand, on the paper, right? Like there was a 1985 <laughs> movie in the middle of the Cold War, <laughs> where his dad. Now they're bringing back Apollo Creed's son versus Drago's son. It's such a cheesy. <laughs> Approach, but I'm so into it. Are you kidding me? This brings back to basics to rediscover what made you a champion in the first place, too. And remembering that no matter where you go, you can't escape your history. I am a big time. I am all for it. (laughs) I'm a total sucker for Rocky, (laughs) as you know. All right, let's take a break. Uh, 888-900-3393 is the number. Stay here, Jeffy, though, because we have spoons coming up next. Did you think I was going somewhere? This is Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray is here. 
Because we're uh, saying people. Uh, spoons. Oh. <laughs> there it Sorry. is. Sorry, talking about it, the video. It the makes you feel so good. Going after Kirsten. Eating I don't know. Eating Jeffy's talking about whatever, tortilla. but uh, it's spoons time. <laughs> this is You know this is the most important thing. I do. I apologize. Today. You can do the open again if you want. I'm sorry. I'd like to hear the open again. You had really good voice work on the open. Do well, people don't know that Jeffy kind of, voiced that? Uh, go ahead. Do we have the open again? I don't uh, know. Uh, spoons. <laughs> I mean. So here's it. And if you don't know Spoons, if you, if you only watch uh, Pat uh, Gray Unleashed, you may have missed the Pat and Stu show. We did a segment called Spoons Every Day. The reason we uh, called it Spoons was because it was kind of the only word that Jeffy knew. As you can tell by the open. Yes. Uh, spoons. <laughs> and then uh, we have a, a rating scale of all of these new foods. Um, from the world of capitalism on a scale of 1 to 18. And 18 happened to be the highest number Jeffy I knew at the time. Has that changed? Have you, are you up to eight, Do you know anything above 18 yet? I don't think there's any reason to go above 18, to be honest. Okay, so no, the answer to that is no. Today we have a couple different kinds of Oreos oh, nice. to try. Uh, we have birthday cake Oreos. Well, now I don't know. We may have done those back in the I feel day. Like I don't I've remember. had those before. Maybe maybe just at the house. I know my <laughs> would wife... be a real surprise. Uh, <laughs> and cherry cola Ooh, Oreos. Those now, might be good. Now I kind of know what to expect. I feel like from birthday cake Oreos, uh, and it's good. Tell me you haven't had cherry cola Oreos. Are you telling me? I think because I think we remember we had fireworks Oreos back in the day. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Oh god, they smell so good. I would say they just dumped a bunch of cake batter in the middle of these creams. And you can see there's a little sprinkles involved. Ooh, give it you a does little, smell good. You can see the shot there. You get the sprinkles inside of the actual um, cookie. Short period of my life I worked for Nabisco. is just a walk down memory lane. <laughs> I do know that, and I know it was short because you ate all the product. All right, here we go. Birthday cake Oreos. Let's give it a try. All right. Oh. Mm. I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean... They're fresh, too. They are fresh. Now, what I would say about birthday cake Oreos is there's not a gigantic difference. No, there's not. Although, no, there's not. And it could be, I think we should have went with the double stuffed Mm -hmm. for the birthday cake. Mm -hmm. I'm tasting the cream solo here. And it does have a different flavor. It's not an overwhelming birthday cake flavor. You got a little bit of a birthday cake vibe there, though. And the regular. And I feel like that does improve it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm um. I have this critique of Oreos often, which is if you went with golden Oreos, you get more of a vibe of the cream. You know, like choc- the chocolate those Oreo. Those are good too. Those are good. The chocolate Oreo sort of overwhelms the cream flavor in them. Though I will say it's a solid Oreo. If you're going to give an Oreo a normal Oreo, I'd probably give it around a thirteen on a scale of one to eighteen. These I'd, I'd rate probably a fourteen. Uh, Jeffy, your rating. Well, the birthday cake. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing 14, I'd probably, somewhere in there, probably right. They're probably, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. Fresh or not, Oreos are always better with milk, which we do not have. Now I know why this this segment got canceled. (laughs) Now I remember. Now I know why. I think maybe the whole show is no longer really? here because, because of, of your milk? milk comments. All right, cherry cola Oreos. Now, I think this is the same concept. In the cherry cola Oreo, you know, it's a, a soda. Bit, oh, man, yeah. I can smell them as soon as you open them. Oh, they're really oh. strong. Okay, the cherry cola Oreo is going to give you a cherry wow. taste, obviously. And you might think it's just a cherry Oreo, but no. It's a cherry cola Oreo. One of the ways they that. do this is they add, like, a Pop Rocks vibe. 
into them. So they'll kind of sparkle in your mouth a little bit, a little popping going on, like a soda, a carbonated soda. Nice. This is a carbonated cookie. Let's give it a shot. These are uh, cherry cola Oreos. Would you bite into the half, the red and the white? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right down the middle. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. These are good. <laughs> They're very weird, but really good. <coughs> I do need you some get the milk, popping? Though. I'm not worried about the popping. I need something to... You should eat more. <laughs> are you choking? Eat more. That's the way you, that's the way you, is that the way you fix yeah. it. The way they say it is you should eat a bigger piece than you had last time if you're choking. That's... uh. It's American Medical Association saying that. <laughs> uh, I would say you can hear oh the pop. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, you hear the popping? I don't know if you can hear them. Anyway, I like these. Yeah, they're good. I'll give these a 15 out of 18. I don't know that I could eat a ton of them, though. They're very sweet. They do taste like cherry cola with Pop Rocks in it. I like them. Solid work yet again by Nabisco. I might have Still to stop business. after, you know, maybe one row. Well, just one row. Bit and wow. Refill the glass of milk. It's a brave choice. Brave choice. And you you said milk again. All right. Back with more actual material here in a minute. Stu in for Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the Blaze Radio Network. It is Stu in for Pat Gray. What does it uh, what does it take to be a man? What do men think it takes to be a man? They interviewed 1600 men and tried to figure out whether me too changed their thinking on masculinity. Now there's a bunch of questions in here and we'll go through some of them. It's a, uh, I, I don't know, how, how would you answer these if you happen to be a man? If you happen to be a woman, you can answer as well. Um, but it's, uh, do you think that society puts pressure on men in a way that is unhealthy or bad for them? I mean, I think I would answer to that probably yes, right? I mean, there's a, there are certain pressures that, uh, you know, from society that don't necessarily lead to good, out, good outcomes. That being said, it's all, always your personal choice, right? We're supposed to be responsible, but 60% agree. They say yes. This, this part I found to be interesting, though. What do, you wor- what do you worry about on a daily or near daily basis? What are your worries? 54% said your weight. Now, look, as a uh, fat slob, uh, I am completely understanding this particular answer because guys have forever have been the people who don't care about their weight. You know, they're meat and potatoes guys. And they don't care about such things. And then at some point, I realized that almost every conversation I have with another man uh, is uh, about how fat we are. That just seems to be all I ever talk about. It, again, if you ever watched the Pat and Stu show back in the day, you would know this. That's about all we ever talked about on that show. Again, probably a reason why it doesn't exist anymore. Um, 53% said your finances. 49% say they worry daily about their physical health, which is understandable. We're not in, we're not in good shape here as American men. Then 33% is your physique. Now, again, let's stop here for a second. 54%, the number one answer is your weight. The number two is, or, or number three is your physical health. And the number four is your physique. 
it might be a sign to put down the Oreos. This is why you cancel spoons. Because spoons makes you eat over and over and over and over again. Every day. A new kind of food and they're delicious. Uh, your ability to provide for your family is next at 32%. Now again, so far we've had five answers with really only two answers, which is, hey, you're fat and hey, you don't have enough money. Then you got your mental health. 32% of men worry daily about their mental health. I mean, I know certainly a lot of people do struggle with mental health issues, but is it, it's not 32%, is it? A lot of people are like, you know, I don't think I have a mental health problem. I just, I'm worried about it though. I'm worried it might start at any time. Uh, 23% sexual performance or amount of sex, which by the way, are two very separate things. You can't combine those two things. Someone who's worried about amount of sex and sexual performance can be a very different individual. Usually, if you're not worried about your sexual performance, you're not worried about the amount of sex and probably the opposite as well. Uh, Your hair or hairline. Yeah, yeah, okay. As we age, there's a thing called male pattern baldness, which is uh, something we all worry about. Your clothing or style. Now, guys don't really care that much about clothing or style. I don't know anything about it. The only person I know that cares about clothing or style is uh, Glenn Beck. The only person I know. Now, look, should guys dress nicely and should they be fashionable? Probably. But, like, I have no passion for it, right? I What I try to do is I've described this to people before because, you know, we work at a TV station. We're on, you know, we're on television all the time. And sometimes you have people who come in and they, like, try to design your wardrobe and stuff and help you out and make you look better on the air and what i say is they say what, what's your personal style i say i would like to be perfectly ignored my goal when it comes to dressing myself every day is that no one notices that i have clothes on now if you know i don't want them to picture me naked that's not what i'm talking about i'm saying i don't want anyone to notice really either way I don't want someone to say, wow, that's a snappy outfit because I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't tell if they're, if they're just being uh, sarcastic. I don't know. I don't know how I did whatever they like, so I can't recreate it. I have no sense of this whatsoever. I just want to disappear into the room. If you, if you like talking to me, if you like my opinions, if you, if you think the show is entertaining, great. You come for me to fashion, you're failing. You're failing yourself. It's not my fault. Now, 6% say they worry about their height, which, uh, okay. This one, though, I want to spend a, a moment on. This poll has come, uh, comes from 538. Claims that 13% of men worry on a daily or near daily basis about the, quote, appearance of their genitalia, end quote. Now, look, <laughs> you're worried. I mean, what could be going on? You're worried every day about the appearance of that thing? Every day? Like, what's the situation? <laughs> this seems like a really serious. Is it a medical issue? What is happening that every day you think to yourself, gosh, if I could only change the appearance. That's it. You know what the problem is? You know what the problem is? Not enough men taking male vitality formula from Alex Jones. That's the problem. If people just understood the brilliance of Alex Jones's male vitality formula, they wouldn't be worried about this. 
Or maybe the 13% of the people watching Alex Jones and they're constantly berated with advertising for male vitality formula and that's causing the issue. I don't know what it is. If you're one of these people, that's very sad. It's very sad and perhaps you should get some help from Alex Jones. Do we have the Alex Jones clip, by the way? The, uh... Yes, okay. So Alex Jones, apparently, someone noticed that Guests speak on the Alex Jones program. They'll come on, talk about important conspiracies you need to know about. However, they don't always get the entire story out because the person who really cares most about Alex Jones is Alex Jones. So nobody wants to hear Alex Jones speak more than Alex Jones. Apparently, uh, this has become a bit of an issue on the program. Let's watch. Roy Moore, 30 plus years ago, told women, some of them who might have been under 18, they were pretty. Well, you know, and I mean, I mean, all the time I'll sit there. <laughs> I've got three daughters, but I'll sit there, you know, at a, at a play or whatever and tell girls, you sure look nice. <laughs> it's the it's Hollywood. They're the ones all doing it. That's like a Texas thing. They say don't even do it. And I'm like, like, hey, sweetie, how you doing? I'll say to, you know, like, waitress, come over. How you doing, darling? Yeah, you can't. And, and like northerners go, what the hell? That woman just called you darling. Yeah, you can't say darling. That's what you do in, in the South. <laughs> So good. All right. <laughs> he just jumps all over them. That's, you know, kind of what you'd expect. Do we have more of this? All right, let's watch. You, you can't even. And these are women on Facebook. <laughs> we don't even know knew him. And then he's, of course, denying it all. Well, uh, you know, no, no one's. You just know this is the next for everybody. This is it. Uh, but, you know, uh, and then, oh, they make it so uncomfortable <laughs> that if you're with your kids at the park, you're not supposed to talk to other people in their families if you're a male. But then meanwhile, they allow the sexualization of children. Yeah. It goes on and on and on. <laughs> and that's that's how the new world order is coming about. And pretty We'll soon. come back and join us soon. Poor guy. All he wants to do is talk about the sexualization of children, and he can't even get to it. That's really <laughs> that's really sad. Now, this particular uh, segment is brought to you by Male Vitality Formula. We'll get to that in just a moment. I want to tell you too about this um, this bizarre situation. And I, you know, we again, I don't necessarily understand the person who's saying yes. You know, one thing I do worry on a daily basis is the appearance of my genitalia. I don't know who exactly that guy is, but I don't understand this either from the female side. Now, as we know, there are 497,000 genders and any moment you could be any of them. So I don't want to I'm going to make this a little more simple and try to boil it down to old think when there was only a couple of genders. I don't necessarily understand the female view here. This is from a reporter who uh, who writes this. An email interviewer just asked me. Uh, how journalists can even out gender imbalance in sourcing. Now stop and think about this for a minute. You're a reporter, and you're worried about gender imbalance with your sources. That's a problem, right? You should not, again, to uh, quote the last article, care what sort of genitalia are uh, carrying the correct information you're supposed to be reporting. That's not what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about getting the correct information. Uh, she writes, pasting uh, 
part of my response to the email interviewer, because I think about this incident all the time, again, daily or near daily. She thinks about this incident all the time. Listen to this serious incident she's considering. Several months ago, a few colleagues and I did a lighthearted story where we called up lots of famous people and asked about their favorite movies about their professions. Again, uh, a lighthearted story. This is a minor. So what does the head of NASA think the best movie is about astronauts? There's only one head of NASA. It's either going to be a man or a woman or one of the 526,345 genders. Like, they're, they're only going to be one person, though, right? There's a head of NASA. The next one, what does Cal Ripken Jr. think that is the best movie about baseball? Well, Cal Ripken Jr. is a man. Unless there's been a new development, unless I missed a, a poignant tweet from Cal in the past couple of hours, he's a guy. So he's a guy. Poignantly, I interviewed Anthony Bourdain about his favorite movie about cooking. Again, you can go to a, a female for cooking or a male for cooking. You chose a male, right? Because Anthony Bourdain, is, he's so, his lifestyle is so adventurous. In the end, we had 25 movies, but only seven female voices. Oh, my gosh. Now, again, this is uh, the incident that she, quote, thinks about all the time. 25 movies, only seven female voices. Some readers were annoyed, and rightfully so. What they didn't know is that I was annoyed, too. I had called dozens of women. I had called a ratio of three women to every one man. The women kept demurring. They kept saying, I'm not funny enough, or I'm not a big enough expert, or try this colleague instead. The men all thought they were big enough experts. They were more than happy to talk. People are just, again, addicted to outrage, searching for it. Every day you wake up, and you search around, and you try to find something that makes you feel alive for the day. Someone, somewhere to tell you you can feel angry and accomplished. I tweeted about that. I got in a fight about that. I was fighting on the right side. Email, gender balance in stories about movie reviews. And she thinks about the incident all the time. She writes, so sometimes what we see is a failure of journalism, but sometimes it's a deeper societal problem. That's see with confidence and overconfidence. And with women feeling safe speaking up. Feeling safe speaking up about what cooking movie you like the best? Is that really a problem? If it is, man, this country's better than I thought. Because that is what's happening here. We've had an issue here. And, and if you read uh, Suicide of the West uh, from Jonah Goldberg, he goes into this a little bit. And that capitalism has done such a good job solving our real problems that we have nothing to do but create fake ones. And it's stuff like this. The, the imbalance of sourcing on a movie review story is not even... Something to comment on. It's certainly not something to, to think about all the time. You know, it's, there's a moment where you just need to relax, sit back, enjoy your life a little bit. I don't know when that is. It's certainly not when you're thinking about uh, your, the appearance of your... Forget it. We'll get to back to that in just a minute. Also, your phone call is 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Uh, we'll get to your calls here in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about Riduzone. Uh Losing weight and keeping it off can be a real struggle, especially when you have spoons. As Pat will tell you, uh, spoons, that segment, man. At one point, I was like, hey, we should do that every day. It's a fun segment. People really like it. Why don't we just do it every day? It's certainly, I mean, can we, we've got a huge budget on this show. Why not spend $4 a day on Oreos? 
And then you put uh, the camera in. Tr- uh, spoons. Thank you. That's that segment. I mean, you can see how much we spent on the open. A lot. I mean, we spent a fortune on that thing. So you go in and you try a new food every day, and it seems like a good idea until you're on day like 600 of it. And then it, they're still bringing in food, and, and it never gets old. I mean, you still like eating the food, but you realize what happens is you eat an Oreo off uh, on the air, and you eat 12 Oreos off the air. That's the problem. Riduzone helps you correct, uh, correct that, helps you uh, stop those cravings. Riduzone can, step, can help. They can step up for you. Uh, proper nutrition, diet, exercise, and Riduzone is going to lose weight, and it's going to keep the extra pounds from becoming return visitors, as they tend to do. That's the thing is you can't just do it once. You can't just lose weight once. You lose weight and keep you off. And Riduzone is a safe, natural, FDA-acknowledged dietary supplement. It's taken all the good stuff from olive oil and created a patented product containing OEA, which is something that scientists know what it is, and I have no freaking idea what it is. But I can tell you this. It's been shown to boost your metabolism while reducing your appetite. Uh, Riduzone is, is, is it's really it's great. You don't have to worry about it. It's a, it's a nice, safe supplement. You try it. Uh, and they will do a good job for you. I've tried it before. I know Pat has tried it as well. Try, uh, give, it a, give it a shot. Riduzone.com. Enter promo code PAT, and you're going to receive 30% off a three-month supply. It's Riduzone.com. Pro, promo code PAT. 30% off three-month uh, supply. Time to make it happen. Let Riduzone get you over the hump. It's Riduzone.com. Promo code PAT for a 30% off a three-month supply. Pat Gray. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Ray returns on the Blaze Radio Network. He does return. Uh, at least, I don't know, in a couple weeks, next week, something like that. Uh, the number is 888-933-93. I <laughs> can't look at it once and remember the whole thing. I have to. 888-933-93. Is that right? Yes, okay, good. Um, so uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, Stuart in Virginia, welcome to the Pat Gray Unleashed program with Stu. Hey, Stu. How's it going? This is Stu. Stew and stew. Hey, uh, I'm having a hard time recovering laughing from your last segment. <laughs> yeah, so why? Are you one of those 13%? That- well, I'm, no, I'm 68 years old, and my wife said, hey, I'll give you a clue here. You guys, none of us like to look at glory. You know, don't send us pictures of it. Don't do any of that. No, it's a the male body is really disgusting. It's revolting in every way. Well, and, it's not uh, as pretty as a lady's body, but I, I, I don't want to go there either. You did what already, but thank about, you. Yes. What I'm going to talk about is this um, border, border issue we've got going. Sure. You know, immigration, I'm 68 years old, Stu, so, you know, I was around when Ronald Reagan you know, was in office, and in good faith, he tried to negotiate a deal. He did. But when they came to the border security, they wouldn't fund it. Okay? Yep. I mean, that's that. And it was a, it was a lesson. I mean, he, he really gave up amnesty. I mean, this yeah, is... Yeah, and then, and then Daddy Bush, he didn't address it very well, and he allowed in a few people, and we know about GW down there. Uh, and then, but he, here's the point. You know, everybody's got dirty hands on this because, quite frankly, you know, during the Obama administration, he had control of both 
both houses, the Senate and the and and the uh, U.S. Congress. Yes. And 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 he was in the White House. Did they elect to deal with it? No. No. They, they went with health care. Mm-hmm. There's no reason they, they couldn't have done both of them, by the way, because. You know, people yeah, will say the same thing about Republicans now, but it's a totally different situation. He had 60 votes in the Senate. He, he literally could, they could have done anything. I mean, we actually wound up, uh, I mean, we've got Obamacare, and some of that's been dismantled, at least parts of it. But it could have been a lot worse. I mean, if you think about it, they, had, they could have pushed anything through. And they, they didn't get enough. They got the stimulus, which was big. They got the financial reform, which was big. And they got Obamacare, but they didn't get uh, a lot of their priorities. And border security is one I'm, I'm surprised they didn't go for because they could have tried to lock in, uh, you know, a large group of voters for a long period of time. Let me ask you this. Yes. Here's the point, really. Both parties have have dirty hands because the Democrats, they want to vote and they know these people coming across will probably vote, you know, Democratic, probably, probably. liberal anyway. Mm-hmm. Republicans don't want to deal with it because they have the business end of it, putting pressure on them for cheap labor. I have a friend that's a plastic contractor. Me too. And he he works a lot of them. And I said, well, how do you get around that? He said, I don't hire them. I go through temporary services over here. I need two plasterers today. I need two hangers today. He pays the fee to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's really, it's, it's, it's really dirty. That's smart because, I mean, and thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Stuart. It's like, you know, it's not one of those things that you can do. You, you can't enforce border law yourself, right? This is one of the issues that people, people have been caught, you know, politicians have been caught before with, like, they had a nanny who was an illegal immigrant, or they had, they had people doing their lawns who were an illegal immigrant. And it's like, well, the left will come out and criticize you for that, and they'll say, oh, gosh, well... You're a double standard. You're saying you don't want the border to be, you say you want the border to be secure, but then you've got an illegal immigrant nanny. Well, would you have me ask them? Because I, if, if I understand the Democrat position, you're not allowed to assume, am I supposed to assume because they're Hispanic that they're illegal? Is that what you want me to, you want to get in that business? I mean, there's a reason why we say secure the border. The people that you're doing business with on a daily basis, you're not supposed to have to go into their personal business to hire them. You should, the people that are here that are available to be hired should be legal. And you should, I mean, you know, they have the e-verify system, which, which at least automates it. But uh, until that thing is, is really in place, and we're still far away from that being incredibly widespread, it is available in, in, in many places now, but it's still not, I mean, you, you can't figure that out on a day-to-day basis. Big companies have it. Uh, but it's, it's, it's one of those situations where you need to be able to... Uh, enforce your borders and then you know everyone does business within the borders in a way that makes sense for commerce and we talked about the uh there's a supreme court ruling today maybe we can do a little bit of that uh, coming up but you know the supreme court ruling um you know they they constantly go back to the commerce clause to justify all sorts of crackdowns on your individual liberties but the 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 idea of the commerce clause generally speaking is to make sure that you don't have like tariffs from state to state Right, it's it's supposed to be free and enter, uh, interchange when it comes to you know inside the borders of the country. Now, outside of the borders, there have been things like tariffs, even though I completely oppose them. Uh, those have been things that have been part of our history, and usually part of a failed part of history. And very rarely have they ever led to anything positive. 
But that is where we are. And if we can't, you know, if we can't secure our borders, it's very difficult to get, you know, something put together that makes sense. Makes sense for everyday people. It's very difficult. Do we have, um, can we play this montage uh, with the media comparing the border to the Holocaust? Do we have that? Because this is, uh, do we have that or not? I don't know if we, yeah, we do. Yeah, okay. Because they, they, they're getting it ready. It's, it's, this has been happening all across the media. We've, saw, we've seen people calling it concentration camps, internment camps. And look, these aren't good situations. You do not want someone uh, to be in this situation. But it's not a concentration camp, and we need to be honest about that. Let's watch. Oh, okay. No luck yet. All right. I don't have that. But you know, you've heard it anyway. You get the point. You get the point. Point is that this has been happening over and over again. We've played a bunch of the clips uh, on the radio show as well. You can go back and, and watch it. Maybe we'll play that on the other side of the break. Uh, so that's coming up. We also have uh, new things about the planet. New interesting things about the planet. That's coming up on the other side. And you know, while we're here on the Supreme Court, let's do this quickly. Listen to these precedents they're setting up. This is from the, the ruling today. Uh, South Dakota versus Wayfair. This is about internet sales tax across state lines. The internet revolution has made the original error even more, more egregious and harmful. The court did not have the uh, before, uh, it did not have before it the present realities of interstate marketplaces where the internet prevalence uh, has a, a power have changed the dynamic of the national economy. So think about what they're saying there. Hey, uh, look, the internet's here now and so things are changed. Our rulings before didn't apply. Does that sound like a good thing? Think about how that argument would be applied to free speech. Oh, free speech, of course it's free, but, uh, well, the hate speech now on the internet, all this conservative stuff, that can't work. Also, the expansion of e-commerce has also increased the revenue shortfall faced by states, creating an emergency. So now we can justify things that were against the law before if the state is in an emergency with their finances? I got news for you. There's lots of states in that situation already. And if you think it's getting better, it's not. Look at Illinois' situation. They'll be able to justify anything based on this stuff. It's a weird precedent. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, it's Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, Stu, filling in. Pat Gray. The Blaze Radio Network. Unleashed. It's stewing for Pat. One of the safest things you can do, of course, in any debate is to compare something to Nazism. People really like it. Uh, big fans. Everyone enjoys a good Nazi comparison. And that's been a big thing uh, going on right now with the media and this border issue. You've seen a sad kid. We saw sad kids in the Nazi era. Therefore, this is the Nazi era. It's pretty easy math. Uh, here is a montage of the media now comparing the border to the Holocaust. Well, the images suggest those of concentration camps, families being cut apart. I know children are being marched away to showers. I know they're being marched away to showers. Uh, are they uh, being told they are just like the Nazis had, had, had said that they were taking people oh. to showers and then they never came back. Look, bottom line, Donald what? Trump increasingly looks like Hitler in Nazi Germany. These look like <laughs> concentration Dave, camps. Dave, it's rewarding it breaking our immigration laws. unusual punishment, John. I said this yesterday, but increasingly Donald Trump is turning this nation into Nazi Germany and turning these into concentration camps. The, what's happening is like very a, American uh, in that this is how the country was founded. This is 
is what happened 76 years ago to uh, Japanese Americans in internment camps. Now, look, I, I, I know we're not Nazi Germany. All right. But there is a commonality there. I, I know it would be controversial. But I felt a warning flare was Obviously, necessary. You're so so concerned about what's going on. Yeah. And our, all, all of us are so concerned. We see these heartbreaking images, uh, and it's, it's so, so awful. And this is yeah, a policy awful, right. that is inhumane, indecent, un-American, completely dictatorial. And like I said yesterday, they are the tactics that have been used through, the, through history by the worst purveyors of pure evil, including slave traders, including Nazis, including terrorists. And now this great country is using them, is using them as well, and we should all be ashamed. You should be ashamed. You got that right. Uh, that's that's incredible. Wow. You know what's amazing about that when you watch it in order like that is how many of them are saying, like I said yesterday. That might be the most important moment in that entire thing. Like I said yesterday. Like I have said yesterday. Michael Hay- General Hayden is on two different appearances talking about the Nazi thing, and then they're showing a tweet from him. The reason he was in the news is because he tweeted about it being a Nazi thing. This isn't an off-the-cuff uh, answer. It's why he was booked. Please come here and tell us about Nazism. You see another, the first guest, uh, he says, hey, this is just like the concentration camps. Then they show him on the same network the next day saying, like I said yesterday, this is just like the Nazi concentration camps. That's despicable. That's despicable. It is not like the Nazi concentration camps. It's not. Let's be honest about it. Go back, by the way, and look at when, uh, hey, it's okay to me. This is going to be controversial. In, in, in the in generalized society, it's controversial to say it's okay to compare things to Nazis. I don't think it's, it's, there's anything wrong with it. And the reason is not because anything actually compares to Nazi Germany that we're facing today. It doesn't. I mean, you know, read any book about Nazi Germany and you will find this to be true. They were horrible, horrible people. Um, and they did horrible, horrible things. And none of those things are being done now. So point one is obviously these kids are not betrayed. They did not treat kids like that in Nazi Germany. It didn't. It did things that were much, much worse. Uh, and they're well documented. However, there are ways to look at Nazi Germany and learn lessons from them. The time to turn Nazi Germany back is not when they've opened up the gas chamber door. It's way before that. So when you, get, when you start doing things that are on the road to Nazi Germany, it's okay to point them out. It's okay to point them out and say, hey, I think this is wrong. We've done it before with issues like the climate, right? Um, you know, hey, here's a, a controlling, uh, a, a government that wants to take a lot of control from your life. They want to use propaganda to change your mind about things. Does that mean that they're going to start killing Jews? No. Not everything in the Nazi era was, was, all, was exactly that horrible, right? They did that. That was really horrible. They also did other things that were bad. Uh, and, you know, if you're going on that role, and, and by the way, every step on that path to Nazi Germany, it's paved with increased government control. That's where that every single step, every little inch of pavement on the road to Nazi Germany is always paved with increased government control. So once again, as we talk about this uh, issue at the border, it's a ridiculous comparison um, but it isn't, I don't, I don't think it's wrong uh, at its heart. I will say this, you know who does think it's wrong? The Anti-Defamation League. 
The Anti-Defamation League, every time we make a point saying, hey, we shouldn't forget what happened in Nazi Germany, for example, uh, they disarmed their populace and they were not able to defend themselves. Well, when those things happened, we many, many times, Glenn got called out by people at the ADL. They made statements against him about how bad it was for him to compare things to the Holocaust. This is a guy who won the Defender of Israel Award from the Zionist Organization of America. And the ADL is calling him out and saying, hey, don't talk about Nazis too much. Yet these guys can parade on television and get rewarded with extra appearances because they're making more Nazi comparisons. It's just absolutely amazing. There was a moment with Wolf Blitzer, and I think we have that uh, video, Wolf Blitzer um, talking about uh, maybe he heard one too many Holocaust uh, comparisons and this happened. Watch. But you understand the controversy oh, that any comparison to the I, Holocaust. I yes, the kids... Uh, were brought in the trains yeah. to Birkenau, right. which was at Auschwitz. Uh, I speak with some uh, authority oh, on I, this. My grandparents were murdered at Auschwitz, and my, uh, my dad survived, but two of his brothers and two of his sisters were killed at Auschwitz. They were separated. Uh, they weren't separated to go to some other facility. They were separated to die. Oh, I know. They were killed. Yes. And so when you make the comparison to Auschwitz, that's such a, a powerful image, and you understand the criticism oh, oh, you're I, getting for that. I, as bad as... This policy is I, I, uh, certainly fully, not Auschwitz. Fully- no, it's certainly not Auschwitz. Uh, I'm glad there is at least a uh, a bit of pushback there from Wolf Blitzer because it's not Auschwitz, right? It's not. But you know, it's not ideal either. And the president has uh, he has uh, is this his fault? Right? Is this the president's fault when you talk about this border situation? The answer to that is it's complicated, right? It's partially his fault. I mean, he, the guy did run on all of these border things that he's not been able to do so far. He talked tough. That's what he did. And so far, there's been very little change on the actual border. When he tried to do something, he didn't seem to be, it does not seem that he was going, uh, quite prepared for the backlash that it, that it brought. And that is something we've seen from politicians for a very long time. You know, it's, it's tough. This is why Parkland uh, was a big deal as well. When you have, you know, children who are in an impossible situation grieving, we don't feel good about that. We're, you know, at some level, good people. And nobody wants to see somebody, in a, especially a child, in a terrible situation like that. That being said, you have to have a, a, a grasp of a larger picture which shows that there is a situation on the border that is untenable. It has been untenable for many, many years. And if you think that we should just open up the borders and let everybody across, you have an argument that's morally consistent. At least you can say, hey, everybody should come across. We should not say anything. And we should not give away things. And we should deal. Will, it, will there be an increase in crime? Yeah, sure. But you know what? We got to deal with it. If that's, what, if that's the point you want to make, make it. That's the problem here is they're trying to make this an emotional issue about crying children. And this is not about crying children. The issue is about whether you think crossing the border illegally should be a crime. If you think it should be a crime and it needs to be stopped, then we need to detain people who have committed the crime. And because we're detaining people after 20 days, we're going to have to we're going to have to separate those families or we're going to have to release them back into our borders inside our borders, not sending them back inside our borders. That's what the court said. It would be nice if we could just send back them, as the Mexican president used to say. We will send back them. But that's about it. It's all you can do. And I just don't think that their actual policies are very popular. The idea 
When you say, do you want crying children or not? Everyone says not. But when you say, hey, do you want a, a person who's crossed the border illegally to be detained and prosecuted? Or do you want everyone that crosses the border to be released, yes, with their children, but to be able to go anywhere they want and realize that half of them you're never going to hear from again? Because half of them are going to avoid the hearing that you've scheduled for them, and they will be free to go wherever they want and do whatever they want inside our borders, despite the fact we have absolutely no idea who they are. When you put it that way, it's not a, such an easy choice. It would be certainly easy if we just figured out a way to, uh, to just solve this problem long term. But, you know, again, what are they looking at? They, you know, we've got uh, the... And he deserves some heat for this, I think. In other days, there would be heat for this. Donald Trump put, implemented a tougher border stance, and he was unable to deal with the public backlash. He was unable to deal with CNN criticizing him every day. He was unable to deal, and he's done it on many other things. But on this one, heat was a little too hot. So he's folded. He's gone back to the old policy largely, where after 20 days, they're going to be released into, uh, in, into the U.S. border. And we're going to have to deal with it. And remember, what he's arguing for is, yes, give me some border security so we can take care of this problem and we can keep families together. Oh, and also DACA. He is arguing for, hey, take this thing that we all called unconstitutional under Obama and codify it through Congress. So it's an interesting step in the opposite direction. We'll see what happens with it. Again, you know, a lot of times when, when these stances are made public and people don't like them, we kind of hear, hey, well, that's just a negotiation. You shouldn't take that one seriously. I mean, I got no control over it, so I'm willing to wait to see how it turns out. I hope it turns out well. But I don't know that this is necessarily the strong border policies that we were hoping for, at least not yet. Um, more popular than anything the Democrats are proposing, I suppose. Uh, in fact, this is pretty amazing. They polled Republicans on their approval rating for uh, Nancy Pelosi. Well, not that good. Stunningly, Nancy Pelosi did not show up as a real positive figure among Republicans. And that you might expect. 17% approval rating for Nancy Pelosi. The thing that's interesting about it is the poll found that 19% had a favorable opinion of Kim Jong-un. Now, what's crazy about this is only 20% had a favorable rating for Mitch McConnell. So this is bipartisan. They really can't stand these people. Again, that countdown for you, 20% Mitch McConnell, 19% Kim Jong-un, 17% Nancy Pelosi. We're a little screwed up as a country, I think. I don't know about you. 888 is the number. Uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, uh, Stu filling in. Pat's back at some point in the future. Pat Gray Unleashed. On the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray returns. Pat Gray program. Pat Gray Unleashed, Stu filling in, your number one source for soda-related news. Uh, And uh, this story is amazing. Uh, Do you remember this? December 1992, the soda industry was uh, 
convinced that if they just released sodas that were clear, people would think they were healthy. Now, people are incredibly dumb, but uh, maybe not that dumb. They didn't really seem to buy it. If you remember, Crystal Pepsi uh, made a, it came out, big ad campaign, spent a fortune on it. And no one really, uh, really got on that bandwagon. Then they tried to change it to a citrus soda, which was a terrible move. And for years and years and years, I thought to myself, gosh, I know I kind of like Crystal Pepsi the original way. I hope they bring it back someday after it failed. Uh, and then they brought it back last, last year. It's eh, not really that good. Didn't live up to the, to the to my what my mind had built it up to over the years. And it was I think always hurt by the Saturday Night Live skit for Crystal Gravy. One that was all that really hurt the idea of Crystal Pepsi. Uh, but C- Coke was actually going to um, compete, and they created a product called Tab Clear. Do you remember this? I do not remember Tab Clear. Now I am a soda aficionado. I know everything. In fact, I can tell you right now, if I were to walk out of this room in approximately four minutes, it's about a two-minute walk to my office, two minutes back, probably uh, about a five-minute break. So so about nine, I'd have to stop about halfway. About nine minutes, I could bring you back a tab because up in my refrigerator upstairs right now as we speak is an actual tab cola with good old saccharin, okay? Suck on that saccharin. Okay, I love it. It's the only one on the market, at least as I know, that still has saccharin in it. But they still make tab. And they're kind of like, I, it's, I actually kind of like it occasionally. I saw it the other day. I'm like, screw it. I'm buying some tab. So I have tab upstairs. I was drinking it. I was walking around the museum this weekend drinking it. First of all, you're not supposed to drink, bring liquids around in the museum. There's lots of old documents. But I figured since I work here, it's okay. And as I was walking around, I'm taking a drink. And I look down at my hands and I realize there's, you know, there's people around, like people who are fans of the show. They'll take pictures and stuff with you. And I realize all these pictures have me holding a tab. Who drinks tab? What year is it? Anyway, they tried to make it in uh, 1992. Coors Company produced clear alcoholic malt beverage Zima, which we test, uh, had a test, uh, taste test on spoons, I believe. Uh, one of the last episodes of the Patents Do Show, we tasted Zima. Uh, 1940s, uh, they, they tried a clear version of Coca-Cola in Russia, which was then, of course, the Soviet Union. Uh, Crystal Pepsi in 1992. Tab Clear came out, and they actually wanted it to fail. They didn't really want to deal with it, but they, didn't want to, they wanted to put something on the market, so they actually designed it to fail. Tab Clear. Tastes delicious. I will say it's probably another clear beverage, not quite as good. See, if you look at a beverage and it's clear... It's a cola. You can't see it, right? Like, if you're going to look at it, you're not going to see it. How would you describe that beverage if you wanted to summarize it? Maybe you'd say, not see cola. Not see cola. That's a real product. Someone designed a thing called not see cola... And they claim none of our stuff promotes Nazism or communism. And I would not promote any of those because I don't believe in those philosophies. Said Danny Ginsburg. He's the founder of Real Soda in uh, California. We're just a beverage company, he said. We're not out to uh, promote any sort of political uh, ideology. When you have things that are sort of provocative and so on, it can grab people's attention. Everyone has their own gimmick. Yeah, not a lot of gimmicks tied to the swastika these days, though. That's not usually the way people go. Uh, Nazi cola. Now you might think, okay, maybe he's just an idiot and he didn't realize it was Nazi. I don't think so. He, cause he's also selling Leninade. 
after Vladimir Lenin. And uh, Orthodox Jews. Well, it's juice. Orthodox Jews. J-O-O-C-E. Wow. Um, Associated Food Stores, which includes Macy's, said this uh, item was not approved at a corporate level to be sold. We have reviewed our craft soda offerings and decided to discontinue Nazi Cola. <laughs> Uh, well, it's had. He's been around for ten years, he says, and it has not uh, made this big of a splash until now. But Nazi cola, apparently, no, no go uh, for for the for the wide market. And I want to bring you this because everyone everyone uh, loves this sort of stuff when I bring it to you. Uh, good news for fans of diet drinks and sugar free sweets: you can safely ignore the hype about zero calorie sweeteners somehow triggering weight gain and metabolic issues, according to a team of U.S. and European scientists. Now, this has been around for a long time. What they say, there's all sorts of claims about it, where they'll say, well, you're having a zero-calorie sweetener, but it makes you crave other foods, or it fools your body into thinking it's real sugar, or blah, blah. There's a hundred of these uh, things that they try to get you on. Uh, Well, they did a big study on it, and what they found is absolutely not true. Um, Some speculated that caloric compensation occurs, negating your calories saved, writes the the, uh, section on non-nutritive sweeteners. This compensation would be psychological, whereby one's knowledge of consuming a lower-calorie sweetener containing an alternative may lead to someone giving themselves permission for greater calorie ingestion at subsequent meals. Or it could be physiological, in which uh, consumption of lower-calorie sweeteners containing alternatives promotes heightened uh, hunger and subsequently higher uh, calorie intake. But that wasn't more than speculation. Two separate meta-analyses consisting of 10 and 8 randomized controlled trials both indicated that substituting artificial sweeteners for sugar resulted in a modest weight loss in adults. In 62 of 90 animal studies, sweeteners did not increase body weight, and a more recent meta-analysis of 12 studies did not support an association between sweeteners and uh, increasing weight at all. Most popular artificial sweetener these days is aspartame. Uh, and the funny thing about this is well, that's kind of the big controversial one is aspartame as Alex Jones will tell you it's Rumsfeld's plague uh, however what they found is uh, people were switching to stevia which is sort of what people say oh it's the natural one yeah really is it natural is it that's why I find it in little packets and little granular packets right look I mean I understand the point here but natural is not necessarily good as I'm sure Pat tells you uh, fairly re- regularly here in the program. Natural is, you know, poison ivy is natural. Doesn't mean it's good. Lots of things are natural. There's all sorts of chemicals that will kill you. There's freaking giant cockroaches that are natural. You like that? There's giant bugs that will cut you. Scorpions will sting you and you'll die. Snakes will wrap you up and, and strangle you. They're all natural. Try try life in the jungle. See if you think that's any better than 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 the local mall. The mall's not natural. Jungle is. But what they're finding is that people are switching to stevia, and there's also no evidence that stevia does anything negative to you. It's important. But what is interesting about it is they've studied it much less. They have much less of an idea. What they're saying is there's no particular reason to think the others like stevia will prove any less safe, but they've been studied for only 16 weeks and no longer. So a 16-week period is what they've studied stevia for, and they've never gone beyond that. Now, there's no reason to believe anything's going to change after that. It's just hilarious that, like, they have actually tested aspartame to these levels. It's one of the safest or most tested uh, uh, substances in the U.S. food supply. 
and yet people will come out and say how bad it is. Sugar is also well tested. Everyone knows that turns out badly. But people still want to believe. I mean, I think people just like to believe they have some control over everything. If I just eat right, if I just eat leaves, everything will be fine. Because you know, you know when a great time was for for Americans' health. Oh, go back a few hundred years when the when the uh, when the life expectancy was like thirty eight. Wow, what a magical time we were all natural back then. We were all natural together and living to thirty eight years old. How much time do we have left? Do we have enough time for this uh, trailer from uh, Jurassic Park? I want to end the show with that. All right, let's do this. This is an honest trailer from Jurassic Park 3. Do you like dinosaurs? Well, not for long, because this movie ruins every last one of them, killing off the T-Rex in seconds. Just to show how badass the Spinosaurus is, weirdly obsessing over the raptor's vocal cords. Do you remember the sounds they made? And making the dinosaurs earth-shakingly loud but still has them sneak up on people like Teflon-clad ninjas. Alan. So gear up for the most forgettable Jurassic Park movie that forgot to include any antagonists, forgot to save any of its budget for an actual ending. She said the Navy and Marines. And forgot they put the phrase, my God, into the script nine different times. <laughs> I don't really remember Jurassic Park 3, to be honest with you. Uh, apparently no one else does either. Was that the really that was the one that kind of ended the series until they brought it back with Chris Pratt? Did you see any of the new ones? Did anyone? I, I, uh, the last one was terrible. Let's be honest about it. Jurassic World sucked. That it just it's just not good. It's time to end it. Just like this program, it's time to end it. We'll uh, see you tomorrow. Actually, we'll be filling in tomorrow, and then I think Pat might be back next week. It might be the week after. I don't even know. We'll let you know. Maybe we can find out the details, and we'll tell you tomorrow. Thanks for uh, hanging with me, and we'll see you tomorrow. Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network.